0: It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you've made your own horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a bad accent, a smooth talker, and an annoying ape voice? Why, you get Congo. And welcome to another episode of the terrible terror podcast and I am actually quite excited to be doing this film this week Um, It's been a while since I've uh, you know dealt with horrifying animals Uh, But Congo has a weird place in my history of film so this is one of those films where I was super into my Michael Crichton phase and I think everybody's kind of gotten into that phase um, at least if you were a big fan of Jurassic Park, you might have done what I did when I was a little kid and saw it like seven times in the theater, including twice sneaking into it with my father's permission because once, I think they went to see The Secret Garden, and I'm like, I don't want to see this movie. And my dad looked and he's like, huh, Jurassic Park starts in about five minutes after ours does. Um, and he just snuck me in there and I watched all of Jurassic Park. While he was forced to sit there with my mom and my sister and watch all of the secret garden which my mom and my sister liked and my dad would always tell me I wish I had just stayed with you. So (laughs) I guess that's a win-win but this is not about Jurassic Park Uh, but what it is about is the fact that once I saw that I had to start consuming everything Michael Crichton. I read Jurassic Park and got all the differences, and then made sure that I saw it once or twice more after I read it, so I could know everything that was going about it, um, and including started reading a lot of the books. Now Congo is one of those weird ones where I saw Congo the film before I read Congo the book, and one of the weird things is that I read Congo the book uh, while I was in Japan because uh, I spent a little bit of time over there as a kid uh as in like this like sister school exchange program where we went for a summer i went for about a month and um i was digesting a lot of english books because i was um you know in japan and couldn't really speak the language and so i met this like uh american that was a english teacher while she was there she learned japanese specifically to go over and teach english and she was like our you know um like our liaison in some ways she'd come around with us on these little trips and so I got really friendly with her because she was like only a couple years older than me I think she was in her like mid-20s and at the time I was like 17 I want to say and so it, she gave me a bunch of books just to read because I was like I literally I bought airframe uh the Michael Crichton book And let me tell you, that's not a good book to be reading while you're on an airplane for the very first time and flying for 14 hours. Uh, It is definitely not good to read a book about how the airplane industry covers up accidents and things that goes wrong with planes. Um, (laughs) It was a great book. I absolutely loved it. Uh, But again, not good. Probably uh, ruined flying for me for a while. Uh, And so... uh, when I got there, I was like, oh, my thought was, okay, well, I have this huge book. Normally, it takes take me days to read, and I'm just going to read it on the plane a little bit, and then I'll have it through the rest of the thing. Uh, I also found out then that I cannot sleep on planes. So, I was up the whole time, and I read the whole book, basically in the uh, span that it took me to fly from Japan uh, over, or, well, from the U.S. over to Japan, I should say almost the whole book and then i had like a couple days when i was in the hotel or the hostel rooms when i just couldn't quite sleep and read the rest of the book pretty quick and now i'm in japan and i can't find a book to save my life um except for manga where i can only read the pages and if i'm lucky i think i was able to find one manga that actually had a dual translation which is really fucking cool if you can find those because it can help you actually kind of learn the language in some ways if you can read uh if it also has the kanji broken down to like hiragana uh which is very very good so long story short one of the books that she gave me happened to be congo along with a brief history of time by stephen hawking and uh one other book that i cannot remember and i still have congo it still sits on my shelf today uh and it's a re- kind of a memory of her and the time that i had there and the fact that i finished congo in about 2 days while i was in japan so, yes, I know, it's kind of a weird thing where you're like, but you're over there, what, why the hell are you reading? Well, you know, when you go to sleep and there's nothing else to do, because all your activities during the day, you, you read. And, um, that was just what I did. I, I finished a brief history of time in three days, so I just needed to consume something uh, that reminded me of home. And I think it helped me get a, a bit over being homesick, but overall... Uh, it was one of those things where I had seen the film and I was like, huh, I thought the film was okay. Might as well just read the book because it's a book that's been given to me. Uh, so there it is. Like Congo is, it's, it's weird because I remember as a kid, I really, really enjoyed this film. And then there are things that I must have blocked out of my mind. Uh, there are, there's definitely, I remember the last 20 minutes of it and I honestly thought that things were different (laughs) like at times i didn't realize like huh we went this long without doing this um (laughs) and of course we're gonna go through the film as a whole but i definitely had a different experience now than i did back then back then like i said i was super into it you know i had gone through jurassic park and then I remember reading that, and I read Sphere, and I read The Andromeda Strain, and that's one of my dad's favorite movies. And we both found out that, you know, that movie was actually, you know, based on Michael Crichton's work, which I had never put tune two to together, and neither had he. Um, and it just kind of went on from there. I mean, I read a ton of the crap that he wrote. Not crap, isn't crap, but, you know, as in stuff. Uh, and so this was just one of those films but i remember the book being so much more like technical and scientific and it was weird going from this to that usually uh with most books that and and again i haven't been the reader that i should be but when i have read the book it's such a weird change to see you know it's actually kind of fun going from the movie to the book because you can see exactly what they left out and maybe the reasons why they left out. But when it came to Congo, I really felt like it actually got the, the basic storyline pretty well. But I felt that there were a couple things, that, like the most important things to the story. Like, oh, well, we're going to take apes. And they're going to be the the bad guys. Like, I felt like that portion of the story was a lot more in-depth and could have gotten more in the movie, uh, as we'll talk with, uh, as we come towards the conclusion of this. Uh, And and a lot of it's going to go from my original memory of the book, which may not be as well, uh, just because it's been so long since I've actually sat down and read Congo. So maybe this is going to make me go back and read it, or, you know what, uh, we'll go to Wikipedia and we'll we'll look at it. Now, I, I do have to say that this is a very, you know, it's a pretty star-studded cast uh you've got laura linney uh, who for the life of me i know who she is and she's still around and it's just kind of like oh you know look La- laura linney um she he when you see her you know her uh but a lot of her if you haven't seen her in her filmography uh lorenzo's oil was a kind of the first film she came out she was also in dave searching for bobby Flesher. Uh, Primal Fear, which she is fucking excellent in. And if you've never seen Primal Fear, do yourself a favor. It's worth it enough to see a young Edward Norton. And that's when I realized that that dude was going to be one hell of a fucking actor. Um, The Truman Show as well. And then, you know, just kind of goes off. The Mothman Promises, some people may remember her from. Mystic River. uh, And so, even the exorcism of Emily Rose. I totally forgot that she was in it. And I was just kind of like, oh, you know, the one that kind of strikes me as odd is Dylan uh Walsh who is uh Peter Elliot and he is more of like a TV guy and what most people kind of remember him for is actually uh nip tuck. He's one of the main stars of the sh- the show and it's kind of weird because I don't even remember him like to me, it doesn't even look like the same person that's in this film versus uh, who was on that show. And and I have some friends that really absolutely loved that show. And it's kind of weird to see me. Of course, the big draws for me at the time was Tim Curry, uh, who plays our Romanian friend with one of the worst accents, uh, where I don't know the difference between when it sounds like Tim Curry and when it's supposed to sound like a Romanian accent, because it kind of just sounds like Tim Curry all of the time, it, with a little bit of like hints of an accent, especially when he gets upset in the film and we'll talk about those things uh hermurka uh who, who's uh, whatever the fuck his name is um god i have tried so fucking hard so many goddamn times in the preparation for fucking doing this podcast and to say hermerka Herschel or whatever the fuck his name is and that's probably gonna gonna be what it is uh it's gonna be what the fuck is wrong with me anyway. Uh, so you yeah, have him and then you got fucking ernie hudson who's in this movie as well uh which probably like most people uh i only really think of him from ghostbusters and ghostbusters 2 but he's congo as well so there's three roles we can all remember from uh i love ernie hudson don't get me wrong but when i think of ernie hudson those are the only roles i really think of you know when it comes to this then you've got a couple of uncredited actors that you totally remember. One, Joey Pantoliano. Uh, the, the problem is I always call him Joey Pants. Uh, and the reason I call him Joey Pants is because of a, another podcast that I listen to. And whenever he's referred to, that's how they're referred to. So it's probably how I'm going to do it as well. And then you have Delroy Lindo, uh, who is the like African commander that they talk to for a little bit. And both of them, for some reason, they're both uncredited in this film, and I don't know exactly the reasons why. It's kind of weird. And funny story, I've actually met Delray Lindo before, and I helped him uh, figure out an issue with his old Palm Pilot. If you guys remember what those are, the old PDAs. I used to work in a store, he came by the store, I did not know who he was, I was just basically helping him like customer i was just like oh yeah dude and you know blah 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 and then people oh do you know who that was i'm like who and like delroy lindo and i'm like delroy lindo who the fuck and then oh romeo must die that was like the most recent thing i remembered him in but he's been in a lot of great films and he's a really great actor as well and this is uh he's probably one of the better parts of this film to be honest with you and uh we have a long segment with with him so this film uh Came out in '95. It has a decent running time as well. It's about an hour and 48 minutes, uh, but I'd really put it more at about an hour and 40 minute ish. Uh, and it's really weird because it feels like it's shorter when I watch it on one system versus another. I don't know. I have this weird thing where. Uh, normally, when I watch these films, I try to watch them on the TV rather than watching them off a computer. But when I grab the audio, I get it on the computer, yada, yada, yada. And it seems like the time syncs are totally different when I'm watching it from somewhere like the Amazon app versus when I'm doing it directly to the computer. I don't know why, but it felt like it runs a little longer <laughs> on the TV versus on this uh but anyway it's it's got a decent running time to it maybe could have been about 10 minutes shorter or it could have been about maybe actually 10 minutes longer and given me a little more explanation on a couple of things uh that are gone into a little deeper into the book but like i said i think it does a decent job and actually is a little more action-packed than the book is because the book does go a lot more into the science behind things and Uh, But I enjoy the explanation of the apes better in the book than I do in the film. So, uh, 95 is a good wheelhouse for me. Those are my teenage years. uh, And this movie happens to be PG-13. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those weird situations where I was like, huh, why? And then I remembered while watching it, oh yeah, that's why. And what's really kind of amazing about the film, and I know I don't do too many like crazy film facts or anything like that, But it only had a 50 million dollar budget considering that industrial light and magic did the special effects for the movie And I believe they only really did not necessarily like the puppetry work and the costumes uh, But really some of the stuff towards the end of the film and some of it kind of in the the like Telecommunication scenes when we have the technology there But the fact that it only cost 50 million to make and it made 145 million This was a box office success uh, compared to the other films of you know that of quality that you see out there, I mean honestly it like i said it is a decent like action adventure film um it's weird that I would kind of look at it maybe in the horror type of genre when it's kind of more action adventure but you know what you've got killer animals, so fuck it we'll consider it horror um and this is my podcast. <laughs> I do what I want. Uh, but nonetheless, how about we just go right in to Congo? So the first thing that you're going to know is, uh, with the intro is how the music really makes me think of Akira. Like right away, if you listen to that intro song that played in the beginning of the podcast, like it really has that feel. And I know it's more of a like African choir type of thing, and that's probably the word, wrong words to say, but that's the way I kind of figure it. Uh, it, it's got this very, like, you know, uh, Rudy type of feel, but uh, this very Acura type of feel with the chanting and the way that they're using the drums and the way that they're using, uh, the different wind chimes and instruments that go in the flutes and stuff like that. It, it really has that feel but it has that like magical feel and especially since you're seeing it as you're looking over the African jungle and everything's going like pretty and we're in Zaire and uh then we meet the uh, initial cast of the film which happens to include Bruce Campbell in a very small role in the beginning of the film playing Charlie and he's uh there looking for a specific diamond that his father has sent him out to find and it looks like they found something so he gives a call over to what used to be his fiance, Dr. Ross, and he basically shows her exactly what he's found.
1: Dr. Ross, Dr. Ross, we've got satellite from the Congo. What did you say, Rudy? I can't repeat anything here. It's Charles. It's Charles. It won't work.
2: Change the code already?
1: The old man's got me changing it every three hours now. Rudy, 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 Rudy. Very inventive. Just in time. We should have a visual momentarily. He said they found it.
2: You're kidding. Seven volcanoes and he picks the right one. His luck has finally
1: changed. Karen? I read you, Charles, and I see you. Well, Eureka and all that. I found the bloody thing. What was that? That was about the usual. This whole place does the shimmy.
2: How's the volcano? Uh,
1: Acting very much like a volcano, thank you very much. They tell me it's fine, but frankly, I wouldn't start building condominiums. Charles, did you really find it? Chemically Flawless Blue Diamond Illuvia. Johnny-on-the-spot phasic laser. Now, this is gonna look kind of raw without a real diamond. <laughs> Would you say that test came back positive? Oh my god. We found the sand in a mineral stream. Jeffrey's gone off in search of the source. I'll get Travis. No, wait. Let me get Jeffrey. He should share in the glory. Let's link up again in uh, one hour. How's that?
2: Great. See you in an hour. Give me your coordinates.
0: So just like any other man that doesn't know where the hell he is and won't look at a map to give the coordinates, he decides that he's just going to hang up the phone. And I know that clips kind of start off weird because it's her arriving at the facility while he's making the phone call. And we find out that the guy that is in charge of everything, Travis, uh, he's really paranoid about the technology that he has and that other people are trying to steal that. You don't really get a sense of that in the film. You just kind of get this weird sense that he's just kind of an odd guy. And we don't learn right here right now that they used to be involved with each other or that's his ex fiance that he's talking to because honestly they seem like they're extremely friendly with each other like they're happy to talk to each other he's happy to see her and he's all excited for what's going on which makes you wonder why did you decide not to be with him anymore Now, there's a couple of guesses when we're looking at the movie. One might be family. One might be a small wiener. One might be the fact that he ran away to Africa to find this, you know, mythical diamond that they're trying to. And they found managed to find, like, a vial somewhere of blue diamonds. Like, isn't that weird? And that vial type of stuff never really comes back. There's another thing that doesn't come back in a second. But we do see, like, him go out there, look for Jeff and jeff does like let him know it's like look i found this magical thing out here and you're gonna have to follow me and they fall over to a river and he's like you're gonna have to jump in and then you swim under this thing which they do and there's a whole city that's out there and just kind of waiting for whatever people to find like they magically managed to find this place and that's where the kind of the riverbed led and where i guess this like diamond mind is now the thing is I say about like the vial of diamonds like are they just do putting like sand Do they just like scoop some of the riverbed and that it's like blue sand what what did they do to it to create this fucking thing and then he sticks it in his little like telecommunicating laser scope thing and then he starts burning the fucking jungle and he just leaves it on fire he doesn't try to put it out or anything he fucking shoots it Oh, is this good enough test for you? I'm going to burn down the fucking jungle. I'm going to fucking fire my laser and start setting the plants on fire. And then I'm going to end my fucking conversation with you and... Not even worry about it, oh, it'll put itself out. It's the fucking jungle who fuck cares about what's over here This really could have been just you know The gorilla's fucking mad that he came in and he's fucking burning their home And so they're gonna kill a motherfucker because he doesn't put out his flames and if he put out his flames Maybe he would have still been oh spoiler alert. He does die. He would have died (laughs) He wouldn't have died should say but nonetheless he just decides fucking jungle's gotta burn so I'm going to test it this way. Uh, and so, like, they go into the water. They go and see this magical, like, place wherever it is. I I don't know exactly what they're... We know what it is later, uh, but they don't really explain. They're just kind of like, oh, this is here. And so Bruce, he sits down for a uh, product placement break. Uh, I mean a Hershey bar. I mean a chocolate bar is what he decides to have. It's really fucking ridiculous and obvious. Like, he sits there... He unwraps and makes sure Hershey is facing the fucking camera, and then starts eating it, hears some screams, turns around because he sees something in the distance, and then all of a sudden you see him scream, and it fades over to where Dr. Ross and Travis is pulling up, and she's getting ready to tell him what Charlie has found.
3: So where is he?
2: I don't know. He should have transmitted ten minutes ago.
3: (sighs) Activate the remote. Yes, sir.
2: I guess he's still looking for Jeffrey.
3: Hand hmm. hey, the camera. What in God's name?
2: What was that? Fuck your remote backscan, scan. Give me a thermal readout resolve to 6-6. Six, six. I can see seven dead people. What's that sound? I didn't see him. What? Charles. Charles. Ah! I'll get help.
3: You can't get out. Had the code changed.
2: Well, what is it?
3: No one knows this happened but us.
2: Well, there are families that are going to have to be notified. You're going to have to tell your wife.
3: We don't know he's dead. We didn't see him. Once this is reported, they'll close the border. They have to.
2: What was that thing that destroyed the camera?
3: A uh, baboon. Well,
2: I thought it was a gorilla, but I've never...
3: Gorillas didn't kill all those people. Gorillas don't do that. Could have been some locals or a rival company. Please
2: don't go off into one of your paranoid fantasies. I need those
3: diamonds, Dr. Ross.
2: Are you for real?
3: It's the future.
2: Most people think they're children of the future.
3: I've got 40,000 people working for me. They all depend on me. This satellite is our communications cash cow. In three years, it'll be obsolete. I need a new cash machine. This diamond, this is it. Charles knew that. That's why he went down to that godforsaken place. Charles went into the Congo to please you. I know. You had feelings for him.
2: I almost married him, for Christ's sake. Listen to me. Talking like he's...
3: You're gonna have to go down there, Dr. Ross. You're good in the field. You were good in Panama. Now, once you're local, That laser's power pack should give off a readable signal. Ready? we're gonna have to find some expedition that's already going. Take it over.
2: What are you talking about?
3: There's no time. Once we let on what's happened, Zaire will shut the border. By the time the investigation's over... Are
2: you human?
3: I'd be human later. You hire people when you get down there. Good people. No, never mind. I'll have some waiting. And find out what happened to Charles.
2: Tell me you love your son. I do. And that's why you're sending me. It is. All right. But if I have one moment, one moment when I think otherwise, I will make you sorry. That's a promise.
0: So before we continue on, I want to say that it did cut a little bit out of that clip. Uh, because there was just a lot of dead space. And it was like so low that even bringing it up all of a sudden increased the clip even longer than it actually was. And basically what happened, he was yelling at her when she's like, what's the code? And then he's like, put, you, put that fire out. And she's like, doesn't want to do it. And then she asks Rudy for the code, and he's like, put it out, do what I say. And then she does, and then it continues on with a clip. Uh, So you kind of get a little bit of his paranoia in this clip. Like, he's automatically thinking, oh, it's the other companies, could be rivals. They're the ones that do this and everything like that. What I hate about this scene is that she agrees to go. And then she blatantly says to him, like, look, tell me this is about Charlie and not about the diamond when fucking it's obviously about the fucking diamond like you can see the whole thing like play out the way that he looks at her the way that he is his voice goes and even when she asks him he's like it is like is that fucking convincing and this is fucking common in this movie where everybody is just like yeah that's the way it is like they're all fucking weirdly either slimy or creepy or or Obviously not saying exactly what they fucking want and everybody's just like cool. Okay So I totally believe you now or this is just the way like everybody's so fucking naive with every fucking thing in this movie And this part it pisses me off It sets up something at the end of the film and it seems like maybe it's like a reshoot type of thing Like we're gonna do this But you're gonna have to make sure that we have a way to get to that point and here's the way to get to that point this part We're gonna say oh, well if this isn't about fucking Charlie then I'm gonna fuck you over in some shape way or form and Here it's Obviously, it's obvious. It's obvious to anybody fucking watching this film if you've seen the film before it's super fucking obvious But if you're just watching the film or listening to this right now, you have nothing you know about it Even before I said a fucking word you would know it is not about Charlie going and getting the fucking thing the other thing is this company has a lot of fucking good technology like you need another fucking cash cow? How about having clarity of your fucking video the way that you have it and remote access in the middle of fucking the African Congo? You have picture perfect video. Okay, it's a little grainy, but this is 19 fucking 95. Come on like you're talking about watching fucking videos on the internet or watching porn on the internet where it's moving at like ten Frames a fucking second. Oh, is that a penis in a vagina? What the fuck is that? It's worse than fucking basic cable scrambled fucking porn that you could watch back in the day But here they have crystal and I mean crystal fucking clear video and they're able to remotely control the fucking camera with Excellent precision like connectivity. I can't even connect my phone to some fucking websites every now and then When I have five fucking bars and the best fucking service in the fucking world And you're telling me that these motherfuckers don't have another type of cash cow that Would allow them when they've got this fucking technology? I'm looking at right here where you can control perfect. What seems like almost well It's probably like 480p video, but for the time in fucking 1995 fucking fantastic But that type of video technology along with the immaculate control from your fucking satellite down to this fucking camera that you can fucking pan around like crazy without any fucking lag like you're looking through the fucking camera in fucking person and you need another fucking cash cow what the hell is wrong with you and where is this fucking technology in this day and age I can't watch a fucking YouTube video on my phone without it, without being connected to a Wi-Fi source that doesn't jump and fucking skip. But in 19-fucking-five, you can, ninety ninety five, you can connect over into a fucking camera in the fucking Congo. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then you fucking just lie to her and she's okay with it. Okay. Alright, you said it wasn't about this, and I'm gonna believe you. And then it's like, I almost married the guy. Well, it must have been because his father was the fucking paranoid fucking idiot, and you just believed everything that he had to say. Or... You didn't, and you couldn't get along with him, but yet you still work for him, and you still work with your husband, well, soon-to-be husband. I don't know what the fuck you guys were, but you were something at some point, and... Who knows what the fuck is going on. So, they never really explain it. Like, what happened? In the movie, I would at least like them to say something. I believe that it was explained inside of the book, but I can't be quite certain because I don't really fucking remember that much. But if you guys remember, please let me know. Like, I think that she actually broke down why. And it had something to do with... Like, I think the way the work, or the way that he did it, or they just didn't mesh, but she still cares about him. It's some bullshit like that. I'm pretty sure, almost 100% sure, that it's some bullshit like that. But, who the fuck knows? And this guy that wants to have his fucking next cash cow because of the diamond is certainly fucking, you know, worried about his fucking son. So from here, we cut from the telecommunications to over to the UC Berkeley campus, Where we see Dr. Peter over here, uh, and, well, we don't see Peter first. The first thing that we actually are introduced to is how 90s this movie fucking is. Because we're at some, well, (laughs) they're listening to some, like, Oakland oldie station that's playing Sugar Shack. And you know that song, come on. Take me to the Sugar Shack. (laughs) I probably did a horrible whistling version of that song, but... You know, you know the song and then they're playing doom. Of course. I mean, it's probably doom 2 if it's 95 Uh, And it's just the demo, you know, it's nobody actually playing unless somebody's like playing it from afar I don't fucking know but you're gonna take the time away from doom 2 to fucking paint with this fucking ape over here on the floor and she's like Okay, I have to say that the creature and the animatronic work is not that bad for 95, it's not that bad. Today, that would be a completely CGI'd fucking ape, uh, gorilla that would be sitting there, and everybody'd have to pretend that something's actually in their arms, or they'd have some mocap guy in his black suit with his dong hanging out, fucking humping over to everybody because you know that's what I imagine most mocap actors actually do—is they just fucking rub on everything, and then you just fucking CGI over that motherfucker. And everybody else on set's fucking uncomfortable all the time. I mean, that's not, not saying that's something I would do if I was a mo a mo-cap actor. But maybe. Maybe I would do it. yeah maybe. Eh, I'm pretty sure. Probably. I mean, uh, so anyway, Amy is there with one of her handlers. And the handler is uh, basically painting with her. Because she's having all these dreams. And we see along the walls, there's all these pictures. They're all green. And there's some that have, like, an eye. And... They all represent something, which I'm pretty sure the most of the audience can figure out what they probably represent. uh, But they probably represent a little bit something more uh, outside of itself. Then we actually get to meet Peter as he comes in, and he's getting ready for a presentation. He checks in with the other guy to see whether or not... uh, And the other guy, it's really funny because um, (laughs) he's in the film till the last, like, 20 minutes... But he really is supposed to be, like, comedic relief, and nobody ever really says his name. So he's going to remain, for the rest of this thing, the other guy. Because I didn't write down his name, and I totally forgot what it was, even after going and grabbing the audio back again. But he's handler number two, let's call him that. And he looks really familiar, honestly. And I totally thought that the guy that played Peter was the guy that played Arliss. uh, but it's not. <laughs> like I said before, it's Dylan Walsh who was in Nip Tuck and a couple other things that you may have seen. So, he comes in, he basically says, has she had any bad dreams? Nope, slept all through the night. Great, she's been painting. She tried to stick the painting, uh, I don't know where. Looked like she was uh, probably going to paint her shirt. But she was pointing that finger a little low, like getting some, like, green lubricant or something. But, uh, we'll just say that she was trying to paint her shirt. And uh, then, of course, when she sees Peter, she runs over to him, and she just jumps on him, hugs him, and gets paint over over the nice uh, shirt that he's wearing. Well, not really. Even though it's all over her hands, like, I guess it's already dried to the point that it doesn't do anything to the shirt. Because the moment that she hugged him, it would be all over the fucking place. But he still looks perfectly fine, and I believe he's still wearing the same shirt, even though the paint would be on his back, when he does go and has the talk in front of everybody. So he has this talk where he's trying to get more funding for his program because according to him, he's teaching animals to have a voice. I mean, it's he's taught Amy, of course, how to sign. And a lot of people have done the whole thing. And I, I would accept that as a form of speech. But honestly, what he does in front of this group of venture capitalists doesn't really seem like it's producing any type of speech. It feels more like it's just science at work like there isn't anything that i consider it to be like talking here listen to the scene for yourself and then we'll talk about it when i get back
4: When we started out it was so simple communication that's what separated human from animal speech and for those humans who had a physical impairment which inhibited speech sign language an alphabet and gestures words in motion then came virtual reality sensors at first cumbersome worn like clothing could read and replicate the body's movements professor arlis wender at mit the first scientist to apply this technology to sign language
5: our subject today william
4: was born without the organs of speech isn't that right william
3: that is absolutely right
5: This is the first time I have ever heard my own voice.
4: Lights, please. It's hard to get grants for what I do. Most people just don't really believe it. They think it's a parlor trick, a gag. But it's no gag, ladies and gentlemen. And with this new technology, I can demonstrate it in a way in which it has never been possible to demonstrate it before. Animals can talk. Amy, could you come down here, please? Hello, Amy. Thank you for the flowers.
5: Peter. Hello, Peter.
4: Amy. How old are you?
0: Amy, seven. Amy, good gorilla.
5: Amy, pretty.
4: Yes, you are. This is a talking
3: gorilla, Moira. This gorilla is talking. I know, boy. No, but this is really happening. This isn't Mr. Ed.
1: I know it's not Mr. Ed.
4: Amy, look at me.
1: Amy, mother.
4: That's right. That's your baby.
1: Amy wants lunch.
2: Okay. What
4: do
2: you think, Mrs. Romy? Spooky.
0: So, this is not the fucking ape talking. The ape, Amy here is talking because of sign language, okay? The voice is not really her own. It's a digitized voice, and that's just kind of the way that I feel about the whole situation. Like they say, oh, it's based in virtual reality, and that's fucking bullshit, because I don't consider that to be virtual reality. What it's doing is it's finding the sensors on the fucking hand, and it's detecting the motion of everything that's going. And even what they're saying is virtual reality is not even that. It's a guy that's, like, controlling an animatronic body with his own motions. It's fucking motion capture is what it really is. And it's taking those motions that are captured, and it's translating them into like nowadays you have a software like snapdragon or even siri to some extent basically putting that into that piece of software and then spitting out fucking text to speech that's all it's really fucking doing you're just signing and then it's repeating back and how come the guy in the video his voice sounds so fucking generic and so fucking robotic. It's fucking Stephen Hawking sitting right there. And honestly, you think about it too. There's been this technology forever because Stephen fucking Hawking has been able to talk. And you give that one guy, oh, I found my voice. And he just talks the same fucking thing. And then here's Amy, who's got the most clear fucking voice ever. Like, it doesn't sound robotic like everything else. Like, Peter's able to advance this technology so fast that even though it sounds relatively normal it's still fucking annoying as shit fucking i hate i hate the way she talks i hate this whole and she doesn't even i hate whatever voice they used for this voice box for the whole fucking thing And it's nothing against the actress, it's just the direction that it's done. It's just so cheesy and so fucking annoying the entire time. And the character, the way that they've done the whole thing, ugh! It just... I'm, like, stretching out the fucking cable for my headphones right now. I'm just so fucking pissed off the way that she is. Like, I really... I remember watching this and being like, Oh man, that's kinda cool. It's like, it's talking. And nowadays I'm just like, NO! It's not fucking talking. It's talking because of sign language and there's no way that the people are there in the fucking audience should be so fucking impressed. You should be more fucking impressed that the fucking gorilla is able to fucking sign and has like cognitive dissonance to create a full fucking sentence while signing. That should be what is fucking amazing not the fact that she's wearing a fucking power glove on her hand and I get it It's so bad. It's cool and everything like that But at the same fucking time it doesn't have a whole lot of like you look at the other guy that was signing He's wearing this giant fucking contraption. It is all over him and she's wearing a no fear fucking backpack Like, No Fear and Nintendo have fucking teamed up and with a voice fucking box and this is all it takes to give her her own fucking voice and she's speaking not like Mr. Egg because they didn't stick fucking peanut butter in her mouth to make it fucking move around and hey Wilbur and shit like that. No, because she learned fucking sign language first. That's it. She knows how to sign and they're just, it's more or less about the technology of getting Sign language is because too many people are fucking lazy to learn fucking sign language so they can talk to the animals that they need to have them fucking say something. It's like the people that don't want to fucking read and just watch fucking movies all the time and then fucking complain about them on fucking podcast uh, I mean um anyway, so in the audience we also see Tim Curry's character Herkamuga hug over there sitting in the audience uh and he's like amazed he opens up some like little leather bound book and he pulls out this like little jewel or piece of jewelry i guess kind of looks like a ring and it's like an eye and he's looking over there and he's all smiling and shit. and while everything has gone the way that peter is wanted he still is not quite sure that amy's really happy and he kind of looks around the room and he realizes that what do all of these paintings have in common well, they all look like the jungle. So you know what? Maybe they actually need to take her back, and that's why she's having all these nightmares. So he's, like, now believing that, hey, you know, we need to make sure that we return her back home because it's not right to force her how to talk when she's really just homesick, and even though I'm going to get a lot of money for doing what I did, I got to do the right thing, and we got to take Amy home because, you know what? Amy is Peter's bottom bitch. That's pretty much it. So he goes over and he talks to one of the heads of the department and he tries to get the funding that he needs to take her back home. And that's where Tim Curry's hugga fugga comes in and explains that he can be the one to actually help her get back home.
4: It's the jungle, she's been painting the jungle. I don't know, Peter.
0: She
1: wants to go home. Listen, Peter, you did a great job. You taught a gorilla to talk, to paint, for gosh sakes. Now, when it comes to Amy, you can get a grant for anything except setting her free. How about this? I taught her, now she can teach them. Who? The mountain gorillas. Teach an animal to talk, and we can translate what other animals are saying. Oh, please. Making you what, Dr. Doolittle? Now, there isn't a foundation in motion that would fund an expedition with that objective. I will pay. I will
6: pay for Amy to go home. And who are you, sir? Herkimer Homolka, formerly of Romania, free now of the chains of Ceaușescu, traveling the world doing good.
3: A Romanian
4: philanthropist? Herkimer Homolka. Something's voodoo. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I don't know. Richard, I don't think it's penetrated. We're taking Amy home. Get packed.
0: Oh, I guess they did say the other guy's name. His name is Richard. <laughs> so there you go he's still gonna be the other guy when i come back because i'm gonna totally forget what the fuck his name is um so before we get into that accent um i do want to say that the ending of the book uh which is a little bit different than what's here actually shows amy in the jungle and she is teaching sign language to her kids so that part like i wish we had gotten something like that in this film But it doesn't actually end that way. All it ends, you know, we'll we'll talk about it What it ends with Amy. Uh, I don't want to get it to that part right away. But I do want to say that, that like in the book, what he actually hopes for does, here in this point in the film, does actually happen. And I wish they had done something like that, because that would have been kind of cool to do a flashback to this. Instead, you get a couple of the different flashbacks to other parts of the movie, uh, which I still think are relatively loose. Uh, But... (laughs) Okay, it's not a bad accent, but Tim Curry sounds like Tim Curry, okay? You know, Hermukula, God, Herkimer Homoka, okay? Or as he's known, Herkimer Hugga-fugga, uh, Hugafaga over here. He just, like, it seems like it fades in and out, but again, it just sounds like Tim Curry. It just sounds like Tim Curry talking. I fucking love Tim Curry. Please don't get me wrong. From when he played uh the basically the horn Guy in legend uh was w- one of the first films that I ever saw him in to his turn as uh, Dr. Frankenfurter in the Rocky Horror Picture Show to clue where as the butler um which honestly is probably one of my favorite roles of his ever 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 one of the funniest fucking things that he's ever done in his life um he's just an amazing actor in general and here he just cannot i just feel like he can't do the the accent i don't listen to enough romanians to be like oh okay well maybe i was wrong but really when he does get all like, angry in this film, like, it goes away and he just sounds like Tim Curry, so here he is playing this Romanian, um, (laughs) that, uh, is gonna be funding this mission, uh, so that, they can take Amy back to the African Congo and release her into the wild and hopefully Peter gets what he wants. So the next day they end up at the airport and that's where Dr. Ross, of course, she's the one that's now going to try to glom onto this expedition so she can figure out where Charlie is. And she and Peter meet for the very first time, which does upset Amy. And then we also find out that there's a big problem with, the. Uh, the credit flow of hugga
4: Excited, sweetheart? That's a camera. Be careful, it's expensive.
2: I think she's got a real eye. Karen Ross. Professor, Karen Ross?
4: Professor Peter Elliott.
2: Doctor? Doctor. Have you gotten my faxes, FedExes, and phone Oh, calls? I'm sorry, you're the one. Yes, I'm the one. We've been
4: putting together a rather hasty expedition. Well, to the
2: Congo, the talking gorilla. Jungle.
4: that's right the jungle
2: jungle
4: just a minute i'm sorry i, I need chance. to join up with you i'm afraid that's impossible excuse me yeah
2: i have all the visas you
4: can go ahead and load this stuff on the plane it's ready to go we're taking this stuff off the plane off the plane i can make
2: it worth your while excuse me i can pay for part of the why cost are they taking stuff are you, are you off the plane i'm me?
4: sorry we don't need any money this oh, look, expedition is fully You're funded flying
2: way under capacity here you can easily find room for it's me it's not in this
4: a matter stuff. of that it's amy
2: Ugly, <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, really? woman, the gorilla.
4: She gets jealous very easily. Will somebody please tell me why you're unloading the plane? You'll have to talk to the operations guy. Can't you tell me? No, look, no. this is
2: ridiculous. I've got to get on this plane. I've got to be listed with your manifests under this expedition or my visas are worthless, so name your price. I
4: don't have a price. I'm not a pound of sugar. I'm a primatologist.
6: Don't be hasty, Dr. Elliot. Herkimer Homolka, formerly of Romania.
2: Dr.
4: Karen Ross. Mr. Homolka, there seems to be some glitch. They're unloading the plane.
6: Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, there has been a slight interruption in my credit flow. I am unable to pay for the fuel. The
4: fuel? I'll
2: pay for the fuel. You will
4: not I'll pay for it. How much is the fuel? Fifty-six thousand dollars. Fifty-six thousand.
0: What are you smiling about?
2: You need me, Doctor Elliot.
0: So yeah, she really does need to step in right here because there's no way they're going to take Amy out there unless somebody pays for it. And her company seems to have an like a unbelievably bottomless well of fucking money to pull from. Especially in, in one of the other scenes that's going to be coming up. And how much money, I don't even know how much a fucking brick of whatever fucking currency. It's probably a brick of hundreds there. And... I really have never thought about actually holding a brick of money before so i don't know exactly how much is in that probably you know tens of thousands of dollars if not more but it's like ridiculous that he you don't trust this guy right away like the fact that peter is just automatically oh okay cool to the whole thing that uh, you know, huga brings up the fact that he wants to just fund this whole thing out of the kindness of his heart when He looks like he's up to something, like he looks shady as fuck, and I'm not just saying that because Tim Curry can't look like trustworthy in anything that he does, but I don't know if he's ever been trustworthy in anything that he's done, Uh, but it's honestly like there's something off about him in the way that he acts, and it's not just the accent that he's got there. There's just something completely off. And the fact that it comes as a surprise, because, you know, Peter probably doesn't give a shit because this is an end to his own means, right? It's basically, oh, well, you know, I can totally get Amy back into the jungle because this guy is going to help me fucking do it. And meanwhile, you look at this guy and you're like, that guy doesn't have the money that he actually has. And here it is. It's totally proven that you shouldn't have been able to trust this guy at all because while he can book the plane, he can't pay for the fuel? That makes no fucking sense. Now, it kind of is weird because shes she basically is saying that, hey, look, my visas are all tied up in your shit. Meaning that she has already planned herself around going to this whole thing and made her visas to be a part of it. And it's funny that she says, well, I've sent you messages and FedExes and faxes. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> like, you think back, and when you think about it nowadays, you know, you might find somebody's number. And even, like, dealing with, like, a contractor a while ago, they just want me to text message them rather than fucking, you know, send them an email even or call them. And you think back then these are the ways that that people had to constantly try to keep in contact with other people you figure out what their fax number is and you just fax them a bunch of shit saying i'll help you i want to go on and if she really like peter really wanted to go on this whole expedition to deliver amy into the congo why wouldn't he have accepted her help and like he didn't know much about her but he knew oh yeah you're the one that's sending all the messages You you didn't really see a single one of them. Like, here's another person that's willing to fund the whole thing. But don't worry, you have shady ass motherfucker over here. He's perfectly okay, but she's got a big giant corporation behind her. No, I don't want anything to fucking do with it. Like, you're wary about that. But you're not wary about this random Romanian philanthropist that all of a sudden came out of the middle of nowhere with a shitty accent and a shit-eating grin on his face. So, of course, you know, they have to accept her help to get on the plane. What I've always wondered when it's come to the film was, do you think that the the plane, every issue that uh, maybe he actually did have the money... Um, And it's kind of explained later on when we meet Ernie Hudson that, you know, he's kind of a shady guy in general. But, like, at this point in the film, you know, I thought that maybe she had something to do with it to ensure that she could get onto the flight. Other than him just being a lying fucking asshole. I mean, that could be the only thing that was really going on here. So, they all get on the plane, and they all fly away... And of course, Amy, is not very happy about having another woman on the plane, because she's very fucking jealous. But we find that both her and Dr. Ross actually are catty bitches.
1: ...that your are fastened, and that all carry-on luggage is safely secured.
6: We are returning her to the jungle, from whence she came.
1: From
2: the look of it, not a moment too soon.
6: You're the reason she's upset.
2: Me? What did I do?
5: Ugly woman. Yes,
4: very, very ugly woman. Now let's get your seatbelt on. Forgive me, I'll explain later. See? I'm buckling my seatbelt. See, Amy? We're all buckling
3: our seat belts.
4: You can do it. Go on. Yeah. That's it. Good girl. Here's an egg. Amy, we do not throw things.
2: Is that animal dangerous?
4: Humans are dangerous. Gorillas are very gentle. So you think the
6: gorilla may be dangerous? Maybe so. Don't perpetuate a myth.
2: What myth?
4: The King Kong myth, the myth of the killer ape.
2: Well, are you so certain there aren't some kind of gorillas that kill? Oh,
4: please, doctor, you can't be serious. What's your area of expertise? Folk singing?
2: Communications technology.
4: So you're a geek with a cellular phone?
2: I'm a scientist. But you and your protege, as far as I can see, belong in the circus
0: so what i hate about this scene here is the fact that it's like oh my god there's a myth all gorillas are totally cool and would never fucking kill anybody um animals fucking kill like i'm pretty sure that if my dog got upset at me enough that in defense it would fucking kill now if they mean like kill like humans in terms of we just kill to kill then yeah okay maybe i can see it maybe there's more defense but they're also fucking carnivores so they probably fucking killed a fucking kill and it's like oh you're perpetuating myth of course he fucking teaches at uc berkeley Uh, i just like (laughs) it drives me fucking crazy like he's automatically thinking like okay well you know every animal fucking kills in some way shape or form whether it's in form of defense or whether it's for fucking fun And Apes just don't really kill for fucking fun. I I understand that and when they're protecting their homes They're doing whatever so every ape you should totally be cool with and you shouldn't worry about it And we've seen I guess the myth of what they say like the King Kong myth King Kong wasn't really like a killer ape either Like the whole thing about King Kong is that he protected the people that were out there on the island He didn't fight those fucking dinosaurs for his own fucking good, right? Like, the most recent King Kong didn't fight those other fucking kaiju because, oh, I just, you know, for fuck it, I'm just gonna fight them. No, he's fighting them for fucking survival. And he was actually helping the people of the village that fucking worshipped him at the same fucking time. You know, he wanted food. They gave food. He ate said food. Didn't matter if it had to be a human, a hot chick, an ugly chick, an ugly dude, a midget, a fucking donkey, a goat, whatever it was. He's like, I see food. I fucking eat it. I'm a fucking animal. I'm hungry. I'll do it. And then you know what I'll do for you? Make sure the giant fucking spiders and the giant fucking dinosaurs don't beat the shit out of you. That's it. And then when you come to try to fucking capture me for your little fucking show, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fight fucking back is what I'm going to do. So there is already no King Kong fucking myth. It's fucking stupid is what it is. So they managed to calm everything down, at least in this situation. And Amy, she needs something a little more to calm her down. And for some weird fucking reason, Peter does acquiesce
3: okay, Amy. Where? Ground. Where? Ground. It's
0: fine. We're
4: flying. We're going to the jungle.
3: Amy, want. Green drop. Drink.
2: No.
1: Amy, want. Green drop. Drink. All right, all right. You'd swear they
2: were married.
6: The notion of the killer ape may be politically incorrect, But that's not to say it's untrue.
4: I can't believe what I'm hearing.
6: Cliches usually contain some element of truth.
2: Are you serving that ape a martini?
4: She's allowed one. It'll calm her down.
3: In my life, I have heard many a bizarre story, many a bizarre story
2: containing bizarre
1: truth
0: okay you know how she's gonna become a killer fucking ape you keep letting her be a fucking alcoholic here oh she can't calm down unless she has her green drop fucking drink which is a fucking martini who the hell gives gorillas martinis oh it's gonna calm her down just give her a fucking shot just take one of those things out give her a sedative Boom, you're done. You're fucking calm now. No, instead, I gotta make sure I have my fucking martini equipment with me wherever I go. And where did he fucking get that? Does he deserve it to her once fucking day? Is this the way that he gets her to go to sleep? You know what you can also use? Fucking NyQuil. Just put a little NyQuil in a cup. Say, hey, here, drink the red drink, Amy. She drinks the fucking red drink. She knocks the fucking out. Because, you know, NyQuil works in the first five fucking seconds that you take it. And... That's it, but instead, no. He's got to go up there. He's not only a primatologist, he's a fucking bartender at the same time because he knows how to make an excellent fucking martini. Well, at least it's excellent enough for apes. So, after she has her drink, and I guess she falls asleep shortly afterwards because she can't hold her fucking liquor, Uh, Dr. Ross and Peter, they have another conversation before they arrive in Africa. Dr. Ross...
4: Sorry, I called you ugly, but if I didn't.
2: I know it was for Amy's benefit. Can I ask you something? Sure. Why teach an ape to talk?
4: Why teach it all? Why teach anything to anyone? Doesn't make you rich, doesn't get you girls. Why did Prometheus steal fire only to turn around and give it away? There's an inherent generosity in the human spirit. One of its faces is the face of the teacher.
2: I repeat. Why teach an ape to talk?
4: No practical reason.
2: Then why'd you do it?
4: A lonely impulse of delight.
2: William Butler Yeats.
4: Very good. Did it work? What do you mean?
2: You're not lonely anymore?
4: Why are you going to Africa?
2: Find something I lost.
0: Okay, so they're, like, kind of setting up a type of, like, either relationship between the two or friendship between the two. But, like, she's fucking savage. Like, you're not lonely anymore now that you've taught this ape how to fucking talk and shit. And now this is what your relationship is delving down into. Like, you are with the ape. Is she insinuating that he's, like, getting it on with Amy as well? Even though Amy is very protective over him and she's obviously in love with him, too. You know, is it a platonic relationship for Amy? Is uh, the fact that they, maybe that they're going to bone, does Amy then going to go apeshit in a, you know, become the killer ape because of her lust for Peter over here? Who knows? Maybe. Maybe not. We're never going to know, because they're never really going to explore that in the film. And luckily, these two are never really going to be in any type of romantic relationship by the end of this film at all, which is fucking fantastic. So one of my favorite things about this fucking movie. So they land in uh, a portion of Africa uh, outside of Zaire. I really can't remember where the whole airport they are, but there's turmoil in the country because everybody's going crazy and they don't meet their normal guide as they come off. It happens to be Joey Pants in an uncredited role. Dr. Ross!
1: Dr. Ross! Hello? Eddie Ventro. Mr. Travis asked me to meet your plane, set up your expedition. Her expedition? She's just along for the ride. Whatever.
4: Be an asshole. Who is this guy?
1: Eddie Ventro, transportation and equipment. But I don't supply assholes with new personalities. Want to see a new plane? Let's go. Hold on. You want to sell that gorilla? No, I do not. Worth a lot of money.
4: How much? Mr. Hamock, I can't believe you'd even I'm just that. curious.
1: 20, 25 grand for a female. Amy, one, two, go home, go home. Taking you home, Amy. Whoa, a talking gorilla. I feel the money hands on the back of my neck going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mr. Travis told me to load you up It works. You know how to use all this stuff? I'll get by. You really need a balloon? No, I don't. Let me see that. My daddy! Who
2: are they? Hi, fellas.
1: Fuck if I know, don't pay to ask. We're in our third government in two years. So,
2: you are gone?
1: No way, I stay at the airport. Supposedly got Monroe Kelly. Is he good? He's very good. He's also very late. Oh shit, now what? What was that?
0: I haven't got a clue, but why do I feel like this airport's just going to shit? So, that's a random car and happens to be the President's Mercedes that gets blown up in the background. We learn a little about that in just a little bit. Uh, And so they rush him over, and they're basically blocked off by another car, and out pops Ernie Hudson's Monroe Kelly, and he urges everybody to get inside of the the van so that they can leave the airport. Um, There's a funny little scene where he lights up what appears to be like a cigar or a, a long, long fucking joint, and Amy gets in his face, and she's kind of like, Mm, and he manages to give it over to her, and then she s- smokes the goddamn thing. Uh, but what I should say is that uh, Ernie Hudson. What what do I have to say about you for this film? Uh, Monroe is possibly one of my favorite characters in this film, uh, and it's partially like how ridiculous Ernie Hudson plays him. Like there is like acting suave. But like, okay. So if I have to go on the acting suave scale, you have a couple different ones. You got suave, then you've got Samuel Jackson type of suave that you've got going on some of the roles that he's done. Then you got Carl Weathers type of suave, uh, you know, in the roles that he has. Then you got Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian suave, and then you've got Ernie fucking Hudson in Congo type of suave. So let's go ahead and listen in. On the scene after they've dragged them all into the giant truck, and when Amy does steal the blunt from Ernie, and uh, we get introduced to his type of suave in the film. What's
4: going on, are we safe? It's all right, just bumpy, just a few bumps. Amy, leave that man alone.
6: Amy, don't inhale. Karen Ross. That's me. Monroe Kelly. I'm your great white hunter for this trip, though I happen to be black.
2: How bad is this news for us?
6: Well, whenever the leadership of one of these little Central African countries comes into question, they tend to just murder everybody. Oh, my God. Not really. They live for the opportunity to settle scores, and they've got a lot of scores to settle. It's like... What's going on in the Congo? Things are pretty bad in the Congo right now. We heard. Is the Kagania pissed off? Can't blame them. 20th century sucks. Maybe the 21st will be better. You're some kind of criminal, aren't you? Aren't we all? No,
4: I'm not a criminal, I'm a scientist. Scientists? I run a few guns. You sons of bitches ruin the world. I don't think it's a good idea to have further involvement with these people. Well, what would you suggest we do, Dr. Elliot? Well, as soon as we can, we should go our own way.
6: Don't I know you? Perhaps. I travel a great deal. And what are you doing with that gorilla? I'm
4: taking her home. She was caught in the Virunga region of the Congo.
6: You're going to try and take her back to the farm now that she's seen Perry. hmm? And this is your cover. Yes. Pretty good. Or it would have been. Nobody's cover. Cover for what? You find yourself in the middle of something. Cover for what? I don't know, and she won't tell you. But the kind of money our company's throwing around, they don't spend that for any gorilla.
0: Relax. You're in better hands than you should be. So like I said, it's cheesy and the way that he delivers his lines and all that shit like that. Oh. But it's way better than it should be. Uh, like, don't you just want to fucking jump his bones right now? Like, everybody should be fucking Ernie Hudson just based upon this role. You just have him. It's just, oh, maybe I should uh, let the gorilla smoke my weed. Uh, yeah. I just don't know. I, I just don't know why I like it so much. It's so fucking ridiculous, and it's great uh, at the same time. Uh, what I didn't like is one of the lines where he's just like, I run guns, and, uh, you scientists fuck up the rest of the world. Uh, and he's just like, I kind of get it, but at the same time, just like, well, what did he do to fuck up the rest of the world? I guess they fucking stole a gorilla, or they purchased a gorilla that they taught sign language to, uh, for whatever reason it happened to be, but she got kidnapped from her home, I guess... Hiring those people, or the people that they hire people like them to do things that fuck up the rest of the world? I don't fucking know, and I don't honestly really fucking like his analogy. (laughs) I mean, scientists do a lot of really good things. Yes, there's a lot of bad shit that scientists have done at the same time. Um, you know, but uh, if all you do is run guns, uh, then, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's it. You're kind of more fucked up than somebody that say, uh, you know, creating a uh, preventative, uh, you know, vaccinations or some shit like that. It's just honestly f- fucking crazy uh, that this weird type of correlation is there. I guess if you're talking about the scientists that create weapons and it's like, I just sell the weapons that you create. Okay. got you There you got me. Okay. Totally agree with that. Um, but it's just, weird and and he's really trying to figure out what exactly dr ross is doing here he's the only one in this whole film and maybe that's why i like the character so much that is not naive to anything that's going on everybody else is just kind of like oh okay well you said so so we're gonna go through and he's just like huh what's everybody's angle um <laughs> like wh- okay this is what you're doing uh do I know you, hugga Um, and you. Uh, we gotta figure out why you're here. Um, like, it's just so fucking weird uh, that he... You know when it's not weird weird is the wrong way like it's just the way that everything works i guess in this film that that guy happens to be who's the one that's going to lead him everywhere and that's going to be able to get them to the point that they need to is also the same person that is trying to figure everybody out and don't trust what anybody has to say and he happens to be uh somebody that's possibly pretty ruthless who knows So they continue on to another, they get past the first check stop, and then when they get to the second one in the next village after they've been talking for a while, somebody lifts up the drapes, they notice that there's a bunch of white people in the back of the car, as well as the gorilla, and they pull everybody out, and they're captured by the local military. Uh, Peter and his assistant, Richard... Uh, The other guy (laughs) they're detained and Amy is taken away and locked away somewhere They're kind of roughed up when they ask where Amy is and give me back my gorilla And then we're taking over a scene with the wonderful Delroy Lindo uh, as the main captain in charge of the whole army and This scene is both hilarious well acted and possibly the best fucking scene in the entire film So we're gonna play this one whole from start to finish um, and there's a couple little things in the middle that you're just kind of like, why am I listening to audio of this? Like, you really do need to see this as well. Monroe.
5: Captain Water. ah, are you? Mr. Ross. Such a pleasure. Have some uh, coffee and cake. <sighs>
2: Have some. You have our visas, you have our manifest. This is a legitimate scientific mission. You have no right to detain us.
5: Liar, lie, your pants on fire. So says my computer, Miss Ross. Eh. You used to work for the CIA? And now you're Travacom. Travicom pays better than the CIA. You
2: have a big mouth.
5: Everybody says that about me. What can I do? Monroe, you have the worst timing in the world. Tell me about it. They blew up the President's Mercedes-Benz, did you know that? This is a big plot. My country will be in shit for at least a year. Captain, I need that truck. You need the truck, you also need 10 good men to the border. More. Mr. Homolka, stop eating my sesame cake. Stop eating my sesame cake! Mm -hmm. What are you doing in my country, bag of shit? Captain, please. I only wish to explore and discover. This fellow is a big bag of shit. You should shake this rat from off your neck. He owes money to everybody everywhere he goes. I will ask you to wait outside, Mr. Molka. Mm -hmm. I like that, Mr. Ross. You surprise him.
3: Uh.
5: Mm. Hey. So, put this away. Don't want nobody peeking. You know it's the gorilla that's going to get you across the border safely. Everybody in my country is so afraid of being seen in an American movie being cruel to a gorilla. This is the crazy world we live in. Okay, you can go. Hit the
0: road, as they say, and have a nice day. So everything about this character is absolutely ridiculous but I feel like it's also kind of accurate at the same time. Like he comes in and he's like okay sit down and have some of my cake and then they they just want to get through the whole situation and then he screams at them to have some of my cake and (laughs) it just makes me laugh and so then you know Hugga over here he does but when he realizes who the guy is he's like Stop eating my cake and he's like he's got a mouthful of cake and it's like he spits it out pulls it from his mouth like doesn't even let him swallow the cake. It's stop eating my cake It's so great And this is where I talk about that stacks those bricks of money. She just happens to have in her backpack she just pulls out three bricks of cash and that's not enough and he's like three like i need more And she brings out three more bricks of cash and then he's totally satisfied and then what you hear with the staples is he puts it into a paper bag and he's like don't need people looking at this and then he staples the bag shut like anybody's gonna look into your bag anyway if you're the head of the whole fucking thing like they're gonna come over and they're gonna go oh i wonder what's in the captain's Like, they're gonna get shot in the fucking face if they even tried to. But no, he decides the best way to conceal whatever he's got is just to staple it shut. Even though there's a bunch of soldiers in the room that know that he's put money into this goddamn bag as a fucking bribe. And then one of the guys comes from the side and starts twirling Karen's hair, Dr. Ross. And then she elbows him in the junk and he's like, ooh, surprise attack. I like it. It's so fucking ridiculous and it's acted out so well by delroy lindo that i just absolutely love this scene it's like i said i think it's possibly next to one of the last scenes in the film one of my favorite scenes and it's kind of nonsensical and it's kind of weird that we have to learn about everything that's kind of going on in the this part of the world at this time you know they say oh it's this is the third regime change that we've been to here or been through and it, we we spend so much time getting up to this point and we're about a half an hour like the first full act is literally them getting to the jungle at some point and now we're finally going to get there but it's weird that we have to go through so much and the book actually kind of goes through this a lot more if i remember correctly like there's a lot of talk about what's been going on and kind of how this is impeding their kind of adventure if you'd say and it's kind of what's going on here as well you're kind of going through the you know they just want to get to wherever they need to go but they have to deal with all this extra politics and and extra stuff with the government and extra stuff with the militias just to make sure that they can get through to go into zaire which is not even the country that they're currently in so they this cuts from here over to the airport and that's where monroe he finally realizes where he has met Hagarfaka before, and that's of course not before Amy fucking insults Dr. Ross once again, because she finds out that they're going still going along with them for the ride.
6: When do you think we will get to the rainforest? Hamoka, right? Yes. Hello. You're not looking for Solomon City again, are you?
2: What are you talking about?
6: Mr. hamoka here was part of a disastrous expedition about, what, five years ago? Please, I would refer you not to... we' are looking for a city Calls in. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist. It does exist. Fine. Three members of his safari died from exposure. The fourth was shot by we don't know who. It was an appalling
3: suicide.
6: We won't quit. And Mr. Hamalka here had to be carried out of the jungle by, as I remember it, me. I knew he wasn't a Romanian philanthropist. Oh, He's a Romanian. And he has done a lot of good, but mostly for Mr. Hamoka. Shut up, you filthy... Filthy wallet
3: Forgive me. All that traveling has left me... Shaken. Think
6: nothing
0: of it. All aboard! Okay, come on, Huggafucka. You can say it once. Oh, wait, I forgot. This is a PG-13 movie, so you can't call him a filthy motherfucker. But at least nowadays they get to the motherf... Part, and then they'd totally cut it off. Uh, whereas with this, he's, oh, you filthy muh, and that's it. Of course, he could have called him a filthy muggle at the same time, but then he'd be in the wrong fucking cinematic universe. You know, the Congo Cinematic Universe is coming soon. I can feel it. There's gonna be resurgence. It's gonna be just like Planet of the Apes. We're gonna get to see Amy once again. But, so we learn a little bit about Mr. Huggafucka here. He, uh... Led an expedition into the jungle to try to find the city of Zinj and the city of Zinj is Basically has a giant diamond mine. That's possibly going to make everybody rich We go into a little bit later in the film But just for your reference that is the city that of course was found in the beginning of the movie where all the diamonds are So everybody is kind of going to the same place Amy has seen the symbols of the city of Zinj in her dreams and that's where they're headed to basically drop her off. Now, if I were them, I would just fucking strap a parachute on her and throw her out the window. You're home, Amy. Bye. But that's because she's fucking annoying as shit. Um, But for everybody else... You know, she's going to the same area, Dr. Ross, because that's where Charlie is, and that's also where the diamond was that Travis wants her to get. And then you have now Dr. Hergefarga wants to go to the same place because that's where all the diamonds are and where he can be rich and possibly get his good line of credit back once again. So they get into the plane and they're flying and they put a piece of dope inside a banana. And as they're flying they suddenly are shot at by you know as they go into Zaire by other military people because they're in their airspace and they're not supposed to be and they're shooting rockets at them which are not able to make it even to the plane. And, like, if that was the case, I don't know why they were so worried. Because the plane can obviously outfly the rockets because the rockets have a fuse on them or something. There's a weird reason why they're blowing up right before they hit the plane. I would imagine that, you know, they're not on some type of, like, timer. That they blow up when they hit something. But what the fuck do I know? I don't shoot rockets at things and I've never shot a fucking rocket in my life. So, maybe there is a time, but... At least according to Doom, as soon as it hits something, then that's when it blows up. With almost everything that uses a rocket launcher, pretty much. But, I guess they've got some, like, you know, my first rocket launchers available, and they're just shooting them out. Uh, So then they switch over to heat launching, or heat seeking rocket launchers. uh, And this worries the pilots of the, the plane, to which Dr. Ross, she goes and gets a flare gun, and they try to stop her. But, of course, she knows, right, because she used to work with the CIA... And she fires one of the flares out the window, and the heat-seeking rockets go after the flare, and explode upon hitting the flare instead. So, they were out there, they're basically saying, well, look, it's time to jump. And Peter, he's totally like, no, that's not right, we're not going to put everybody uh, in a parachute. They give Amy the banana, which has the dope in it, so that way she'll fall asleep when they jump out of the plane. He doesn't want a parachute, to which, probably one of the best lines in the movie, of course... Monroe gets a lot of the good lines of the film to where he says to Peter, he looks at him, he's like, do you know how to fly a plane? And Peter's like, no. And he's like, well, the pilot and co-pilot have already jumped out of the plane. So if you don't know how to fly, you know, fuck off. We're going to jump. HuggaFugga doesn't want to jump out of the plane and he asks for some help. And so one of the the helpers there uh, basically kicks him in the back and forcibly pushes him off the plane. Peter goes to jump. Everybody else jumps off the plane. And the plane is then hit by a rocket and crashes into the ground. Everybody lands in the jungle. Peter goes around searching for Amy. And he runs into Monroe. And he asks where Amy is. And Monroe basically kind of tells him like it is. Where's Amy? Now she's asleep. She's over there. On the way down, she decided to wake up. And let me tell you, that
6: little lady has some set of teeth. Look, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to call this off. I beg your pardon. I know
4: when I'm in over my head I'm not James Bond. <laughs> don't worry, I'll take care. of you. I don't want you to take care of me.
6: Fine. I'm taking a safari into the Virunga region of the Congo. If you don't want to go, just go wherever. But you should know this is a damn dangerous place and people die here very easily.
0: Now, excuse me? Now you gotta be fucking kidding me here with Peter. Like, he's just gonna fucking randomly think, oh, it's time to go fucking home. Do you know where the fuck you are? You know what? I don't even know where the fuck you are because supposedly you've just gone over into Zaire because you were in Zaire's airspace here. So you're in the Congo. You're going with these people on this safari to take her back fucking home. And now all of a sudden, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. You should have said this back at the fucking airport where they, they blew up the president's fucking car. Instead you waited till this point where you had to parachute out of a fucking plane down into the middle of the jungle And it was at that point that you decided you know what? I don't want to do this anymore Well, guess what now you're fucking stuck here, and there's no other way to get out of here I mean Monroe really is trying to be nice to me. He's like don't worry I'll fucking take care of you. He's like no I just want to go he's like well fuck you then figure out where you need to go but guess what you won't fucking do it and you won't fucking survive without him just stay with the rest of the party You've gone this far and I guess now all of a sudden this is the point where we need to fucking give up So instead of just giving up Peter finally gives in and decides to go along with the rest of the group Which is probably one of the smartest things that he's ever done So we get a little bit of jungle travel, which includes a little bit of jungle talk
1: an
6: extraordinary animal.
0: Those paintings Do you think she was drawing
6: something she saw in life or in a dream, maybe? I think she was drawing the jungle home. What about those oval shapes? Just a shape she liked, something like that. Perhaps. Video game?
2: Gives our latitude and longitude.
6: Gives more than that from the look of it.
2: Well, you know, it's a gadget. It has features.
6: You're picking up a signal. Is it uh, someone or something?
2: A little bit of both.
6: Ah. So why'd you quit the CIA?
2: I never worked for the CIA.
6: Of course you didn't. But if you had worked for the CIA, why would you quit? Because they're
0: a loveless bunch of sons of bitches. And you're not. And I'm not. Glad to hear it. So now they've set up camp in a random spot because of course this is the perfect time to just stop and relax for a little bit. And we see that Dr. Ross, she's actually brought air conditioning units along with her, And she's like, oh, I went a little overboard, didn't she? And what's funny is, is that when they were doing the checklist of everything that she was going to bring, one of the things she said not to bring was an air balloon, which turns out to be something that they do need later on. But she does manage to bring the air conditioning with her instead. So they have the AC, and of course, Dr. Monroe over here, he decides that damn right he wants to make sure he has that. And he does go through and kind of talks a little bit with everybody in the camp. And he goes over and talks to Huggerfugger and he tries to get a little more information out of him. And he probably has one of my favorite little zingers in the movie.
6: Mr. Hamoka.
0: Oh, please. You call
6: me Harkama. All right. You can call me Mr. Kelly. I wonder what she's about. What do you mean? Well, she's after something. You're after something. What you're after, I got figured. But what she's after, I don't know.
4: I'll get you! I'll get you!
6: I am hoping that young scientist return his ward to the wild. Okay. He says the ape may be able to tell us the thoughts of the wild gorillas. Yes, well, I can tell you your thoughts, Hathomer. You're looking for King Solomon's Diamonds, the lost city of Zinj. I've given it up oh you'll never give it up the problem is hecka doesn't exist solomon must have gotten his
0: diamonds from cartier's just like everybody else so the little line that i like is when he saw oh yeah you can call me herkima and he's like you can call me mr carey um <laughs> it's really ridiculous it's really short but it's pretty goddamn funny uh and there's another little callback to this later as well so He's still trying to figure out exactly what her angle is for the whole thing And you see her all kind of off in the corner and she's making a call back to travis back home And then something happens during that call that kind of upsets travis at the same time
2: This is karen ross 81452 that is kr 81452 houston travis do you read? Karen Ross, 81452. Houston, Travis, do you read?
3: I read and see you, Dr. Ross. Congratulations on crossing the border. I'm
2: picking up a clear signal from the laser's power
3: pack. Excellent. Wherever that laser is, Charles should be too.
2: Let's hope so. Tomorrow we enter the rainforest at the base of the volcanic range. Good.
3: Karen, I've had those images of that creature analyzed. What is it? My primatologist tells me it's something new. He doesn't know what it is, but it's gorilla-like. Are you sufficiently armed? Do you have enough manpower? Yes. Good. The bad news is geothermal. You've got to hurry. That region in the Vorungus is bad. Sometimes the volcanic activity is breaking out of the graph. The region's going to blow. Could be a week, could be sooner. And Dr. Ross... What the hell's... Watch out! <laughs>
0: It's so funny that he's just like, God damn it, not again. Not another fucking set of gorillas doing this bullshit. How many fucking expeditions do a he sent out there? They're going to be killed by fucking gorillas. Oh my God, you guys are pieces of shit. You don't know how to avoid those fucking things to get my fucking diamonds. I mean, to save my fucking son. That's really what this is about. Yeah, right? Okay, sure. It's really about that. Mm -hmm. But... (laughs) Nonetheless, the other thing that pisses me off, and I can't believe I didn't notice it the first, I didn't notice it the second time, I just noticed it now when I was listening back to that again, she's using a fucking modem to connect. There's modem fucking sounds. If you people have never heard a modem in your life, oh my god, I feel fucking old. But for those that know exactly what that sound is, you can hear it right at the beginning. So not only are they getting crystal clear fucking audio by connecting to... I don't know what fucking phone line they're doing because if you're remotely connecting something do you really need to have the fucking plug-in fucking modem sounds to be able to connect over to the internet at that point like what the hell is going on with this? It makes no fucking sense that you need another cash cow when you've got the best fucking, you've got a great fucking wireless modem setup that can connect to some remote satellite when you're in the middle of fucking Zaire, fucking Congo and yet you get crystal clear fucking audio and video picture as well, but you can't make out what a, the fucking ape is coming by in the fucking background. Oh, it just drives me fucking insane and the fact that you need, again, another fucking cash cow. So, of course, Peter, he totally apologized for what Amy's done, because he was basically just playing with her to kind of keep her mind at ease, and she ran by, and she ran into the communications satellite. And it perplexes me that she doesn't have another one readily available for her, and you would think that she would have brought in more than one connector thingy, unless they're that expensive, and that's the reason why that's not the cash cow that they were expecting it to be. So from here they go further into the jungle and there's just a couple scenes of them traveling around. You've got one scene where Ernie Hudson, you know, he's nothing to fuck with. And they just, he kills a snake kind of out of the middle of the air in the middle of the night while it's raining. There's also a scene where they wake up in the middle of the morning. Peter starts freaking out because he's standby meat himself where he's got a leech on his fucking dick. And they give him a stogie to go ahead and burn it off. Then they run into these... Uh, local kind of aboriginous tribe that's all in like this white body paint uh and they come over and they seem actually relatively friendly and they invite them over all to see this ritual that they do which is really kind of odd and random because you would think that if this like indigenous tribe just randomly shows up that they wouldn't Want to fuck with anybody and they might actually go after and kill after these people But no, they're friendly and they show them exactly what they're trying to do, which is talk to the dead So there's a whole little bit of the death chant and kind of uh, the conversation and the rest of the death chant in this little clip <laughs>
6: They haven't moved. Him. They believe his soul has left his body. And if they move him, his soul will be lost, never finding his body again. They're calling to a soul, asking it to come back.
2: Where's the man? she
6: comes Nini.
2: It's not him. It's not who? It's Bob Driscoll. Jesus. Well, what happened to him? Bob? Bob. That's sit city man. Bob? Who is this man? My company sent an expedition to the Virungus. This man was with them.
0: Lay <laughs> him <laughs> over there. What happened to him? I don't know. So they get Bob, and they lay him down, they prop him up, and he's looking out, and then all of a sudden, Amy, she shows up, and when he sees Amy, he just starts screaming like mad, and then he dies. So we really don't learn anything else, other than that, he's afraid of gorillas because of whatever happened to the previous expedition. From here, we continue to move along, and... Again, there's this weird stereotype with the apes and bananas here, like, banana for everything. She's stealing bananas, she sees the banana. she eats the banana, they put the dope in the banana because they're going to go down the river. And, of course, uh, after they've given it to her, she, well, she calls Peter a shit, and that's actually relatively funny uh but something kind of weird breaks out as they start getting ready to put the boats in the water now the clip that you're going to hear it's going to have two parts it's kind of going to explain why dr ross is actually here and the reasonings why and it's you know explains why bob here was actually in the area and then you're going to hear everything that leads up to them putting them in the water
2: that region of the congo is uninhabited well something inhabited
0: what else did you see
2: Camp destroyed, people dead, or gray gorilla. No this thing as a gray gorilla? Well, I saw one. It's hard to believe it. This why late... are you going in there? Two men are unaccounted for Jeffrey Weems and Charles Travis, my fiance, my former fiance. Your
4: former? Well, we better get to him then.
3: Beautiful boats. Money's a wonderful thing. Give her the banana with the dope inside? Yes,
6: he gave her the banana with the dope inside.
4: <laughs> people. I know, shitty Peter. I know.
6: Hey,
4: what's this? <laughs> oh, all the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. I've been for a walk on a
3: winter's day. I'd take
6: a walk, take a day for war, war. War. if
3: I, I wasn't ill. A a Start into a Start a long way.
0: Okay, so how do they know the mamas and the papas down there? Like At such a weird situation, and they're so out of sync with each other. I get it. They're singing in a way, you know, they're doing that kind of weird harmony that they've got going on. And, you know, a couple people are quite out of tune. But it's funny. It's kind of heartfelt at the same time, because they're all like... Trying to calm the gorilla because they've all become attached to Amy like everybody in the party has become attached to Amy She's the main deal here. She's still fucking annoying she should just be thrown out of the fucking boat I mean, uh, they need to make sure that she's found safe and in her home So they travel down the river and as they're traveling down the riv- river Hargafarga over here. He finally does give a little more information and of why he picked Amy specifically to lead him to the city of Zinj.
2: So what is this Zinj, Mr. Hamolka?
6: I don't know what you're talking about. It's always been believed that King Solomon had a diamond mine in the Congo, in a city called Zinj. Diamonds? I suppose there is no point in playing stupid. We shall arrive there together. We shall all be rich fine with me, except there is no zinge. Half the safaris that have gone in that deep looking for it never made it back. The other half came back with nothing. Yes, but we have a trumping card that they did not have. We do. We do. That gorilla knows where it is. What? The gorilla? As a young man, I found a book in Soviet Georgia. It contained a detailed drawing of the city of Zinj. The drawing contained a peculiar decoration an open eye. Later, on Safari, I found this.
5: It's the same symbol.
1: Now, look at this. The gorilla drew this.
6: It is the same image. It is the open eye. That gorilla has seen the city of Zinj. And she will take us there. Have you been taking your medication?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have your laughing, and I will have mine.
0: That's right. I will have mine, which is going to be that he's going to find the city of Zinj and gets what he wants. Um, I can do a shitty Romanian accent too <laughs> if I really wanted to and really tried to. That's terrible. But anyway, so he's now head- hell bent on finding the lost city of Zinj, and now everybody knows exactly what he's doing. So. While traveling in the boat at night, there's a hippo attack that manages to take one of the men down and drag him to the river. And after that, they actually arrive on land where they set up camp. And you get this kind of like heartfelt scene between Amy and Peter where they're kind of looking over the valley. Peter says it's Amy's Valley and you kind of have a feeling that maybe Dr. Ross is also kind of falling for Peter. But it's not really that. I think she just kind of real- realizes the relationship that the two of them have. That it's a very familial type of relationship. Whether she sees him as her like son or he sees her as his daughter. It's probably a mixture of two. Or maybe they see themselves as like brother and sister. Or even jokingly before, they kind of see each other as husband and wife. Because they're so attached to each other. And she kind of thinks it's like sweet with everything that's going on. Uh, They travel down, as they're actually in that area, they do see another plane get shot down, and they travel down into Amy's Valley. They actually run across that plane, and while they're going to go over there and see what the hell is going on, uh, Ernie says, no, you don't want to actually go inside of that plane because these guys weren't as lucky as them to escape the plane before it was shot down by the rockets. Uh, we then come out to another scene where there is like an opening and a clearing, and we see that there is a silverback gorilla in the distance, which starts flexing its muscle against them. Peter, being the primatologist, realizes that, you know, there are things that he needs to do to make sure he doesn't get the shit kicked out of him.
4: Don't move. I know. If you run, he'll chase me. I know. I've read the books i <laughs>
6: Good good. Where'd you go? I ran away.
0: Sorry? <laughs> I, I fucking, again, I love Monroe, and just the way that he does everything. She's like, don't run away. Make sure, basically using him as bait to make sure that they're able to all get away. And of course, the gorilla doesn't attack him. Now there's two things that are going on here that I don't really care much for. First, he says, oh, well, you know, apes don't kill. Uh, and this kind of does show that. But at the same time, like, he's scared shitless. But he knows probably that apes attack, right? That gorillas will attack him if he does anything that is determined to be aggressive. So instead, he kind of shrinks down, looks directly into its eyes. Then he plays, like, the uh weak one and puts his head down and looks away and doesn't really stare at him and then the silverback gorilla just goes away uh we see that you know if that's the case like he should have just stood there and looked at in the face if he knew that wasn't going to do anything to him because supposedly you know gorillas don't kill uh and and it's kind of just It's one of those situations where I'm kind of like, uh, okay, I get it. He's the one that's kind of got to experience this. At the same time, I'm not very excited about it. Then you see Amy go over to the gorillas, and she tries to introduce herself because she thinks, hey, she can finally get some of that silverback D that she's been craving for for the longest fucking time. And so she goes over to introduce herself, kind of like an awkward penguin, and just says, hi, I'm Amy, me gorilla. And I die a little inside because she's got to speak again because somehow they got the glove back I haven't seen the glove in fucking forever and now it's magically back in this point in the movie Like they went through all this they got captured and everything She hasn't used the glove since then because it makes me believe that they kept it But I guess they had another fucking glove that they kept I don't know what I really don't know what the fuck is going on but she has it here for some fucking reason she tries to talk to the apes the apes don't talk to her back and then she gets all sad because of course they're they don't want anything to do with her and they just fucking leave and run off so they continue down and they actually eventually get into the area where there's the lost city of Zinj and when they go there, they kind of begin looking around and unlike with the with Charlie and Jeff in the beginning of the film, they don't have to jump into any random river or swimming or anything. It's like everything has just gone away. and all of a sudden they're able to just slice through a couple of branches and then it is revealed that the city actually is real.
2: Itch what is this?
0: It is the city of Zinge
6: that I have looked for
3: all my life. See, the eyes,
0: it is the same. I should also mention that before this, before they actually found the whole city of Zinj, they actually came upon the camp site that everybody had from before, and the alarm from the tripwire was still going off because, I guess that it has enough battery life to last them a fucking lifetime, which, again, they need another fucking cash cow. These alarms will last fucking forever They've lasted at least weeks unless this was only days since it's actually happened But even then the alarm is still going off constantly out here in the forest and it's still fucking going off weeks and weeks or days and days later You've created technology that nobody fucking has in these fucking batteries that last you, or charging units, that last you fucking forever, but you need this cash cow that fucking lives in the sky. It makes no fucking sense to me. But anyway, so now they've discovered the lost city of Zinj, and everything is matching up. And again, they didn't have to go through no fucking water, they didn't have to do anything else, they just cut through a couple of fucking jungle fucking bushes or whatever the fuck they are branches foliage whatever you want to fucking call it and they're magically there uh, and then one of monroe's guys finds product placement he finds the hershey wrapper that poor old you know bruce campbell was eaten at the beginning of the film and they realize this is exactly what they found at the beginning of the film now we learn a little bit more about the mines for herkima before they actually go into the mines
6: First, they found the diamonds, Solomon's men. A diamond mine of incredible bounty.
3: Then they built the city around the mine so that it should be protected. The savagery of the guards was a legend. They instantly fell upon any thief, any transgressor. And the diamonds flowed to the kingdom of Solomon.
6: But well, what happened? Why did the city die? I don't know. Maybe the mines ran dry. No,
3: no! The diamonds are here! Hello! Over here!
5: What is it? On the step, by the hood, I found this.
6: Don't go in there. I'll check it out.
2: Give me a gun and a flashlight.
6: Don't be so John Wayne. You could get killed. Now that I've said that, I'm not going in there alone either. I must go. Let's all take a
5: look. Oh, I think I'll just stay out here with Amy. Not alone,
6: you won't. Kahiga.
5: You are Willie really Buckingham United.
0: So, of course, the other guy, Richard, and two of the other Sherpas stay outside. They're not really Sherpas, but they're other guides. Let's call them that. I don't know why Sherpas came into my head, but fuck it. That's what they're going to be for the rest of the film, because they're going to climb the highest mountain and get fucking killed. Uh, So, the rest of the party goes inside, and they see a bunch of hieroglyphics on the wall. And the same hieroglyphics are being repeated again and again and again, but nobody knows exactly what it means. Meanwhile, on the outside... There's a stupid conversation between the other guy, Richard, and one of the other guys. He's like, oh, you can speak English? And he's like, yes. And he's busy smoking a cigarette. Instead of just fucking putting it out, he just throws it in the jungle because, once again, he's just going to set fire into the place. And then that's when the killer fucking apes arrive and basically beat the shit out of everybody. We go back inside... Of the the temple here and everybody's still looking at everything and then we hear yelling and we see this scene in the trailer where you hear the yelling and the guy that's falling down the stairs which happens to be the other guy Richard and as he's coming down the stairs uh he's screaming and yelling and he's basically like the apes it's real it's real and they're like what and then he falls over and dies and that's when one of the white apes comes running down the stairs carrying something and he's like oh that guy's died well i've got the head and he throws the, the one of the guy's fucking head at the group and it lands in front of him and so there's gunfire that's fighting between everybody uh and eventually they do manage to kill the ape after pumping it full a lot of fucking lead and then, as they're trying to escape to get out of there, there's a jump scare from Amy. She falls down from the ceiling and scares everybody. But Peter recognizes who she is right away, and they all leave and go outside. And that's when they realize the legend of the killer ape is actually true.
4: They are gorillas, or some kind of gorillas.
6: Oh, I just never saw an animal move like that. They just... Well, look, they just kill. So that's why Solomon's diamonds were
0: never found. The myth of the killer ape is true. I can't believe it. So they can't believe it, yet they've seen the fucking thing in front of them. But there really are killer apes here. So what do they decide to do? Well, let's go ahead and camp up for the night inside of the camp that was ruined. That had the tripwire going off because, well, there's actually defenses in the camp and I guess it's kind of smart. So they set up everything for the night. Uh, Dr. Ross, she makes sure that all the gun-mounted turrets are everywhere and that everybody's safe within the perimeter of these weird, like, laser things uh, that are gonna protect them from attacks in the middle of the night. And of course, that's when something starts to go wrong.
4: Here's your lovey. Shh. It's okay.
1: Mother.
4: Mother. Yes, you're okay now. See anything?
2: No, but I'm your last line of defense. We have sensor-operated machine pistols on tripods out there. Anything comes within 40 feet. Get ready for the 4th of July.
4: What can I say? You really know how to pack.
5: I don't see anything.
2: Put that out.
6: Testing their perimeter.
4: How intelligent are they? Gorillas are very smart, but they're not aggressive. These things are very aggressive.
6: I'd say they're smart. They're too damn smart. They're out there. But what are they doing?
2: Monroe?
0: So, the gorillas start basically rushing at different angles and getting themselves fucking fried and once again, they need another fucking cash cow, but I have never seen fucking UV laser fucking fences that fucking burn things when they walk into them, these gun-mounted fucking turrets. Uh, and ev- all the other fucking defenses, the fucking infrared fucking scanners that they have that put perfect images on the fucking screens, they've got all this fucking kick ass technology, but they need another fucking cash cow, so they have to be in the fucking jungle to get these fucking diamonds. I, I just don't fucking get it. So they're there, they basically fend everything off, and eventually they drop something from above, try to drop a tree on them, but it doesn't work, and they end up sleeping the rest of the night off. Before they do, Herkimer, he does figure out what the hieroglyphics mean and basically they're saying that I am watching you they're kind of like a message but who is that message to nobody really knows so as night turns into day we know that a couple of uh, Monroe's men have gone missing as well as Amy and Herkima all of them are gone right now and Peter wants to go again and find Amy but Monroe tells them people come first and this is the jungle this is where you want to leave her basically that's kind of the way that I interpreted, so let's find all the people, and then we can find Amy, if you want to take her back with you. Peter agrees, and they all go into the temple to find them. While they're inside of the temple looking for everybody, they do run across some, like, hieroglyphics that are on the wall. It's more like drawings that they have that explains the story of the white gorillas. Here's the
4: story. They domesticated gorillas. You call that domesticated? the killing a man. So they taught them to be this way. They bred them to violence. They looked for the trait and they encouraged it.
2: Guard dogs. And they turned on their masters.
5: What's
6: that smell?
4: These are all the bones of gorillas. You mean these are No, the- these are the bones of normal gorillas. This one's skull was crushed. Feel that? Feel what?
0: so what they're feeling back there is the volcano starting to become active now we've heard about it twice in the beginning of it we heard it from bruce campbell where he was like oh yeah you don't want to build condos around here and then we kind of heard it from travis where he's like you know the geologists around there they're saying that there still might be problems with these fucking volcanoes they don't know if it's going to be going in a week or a day but of course it just happens to start becoming extremely active the time that they are fucking there because Convenient plot device is convenient. Now, in the book, see here we're kind of explaining what the gorillas are. In the book, the gorillas are actually kind of a hybrid of humans, chimpanzees, and gorillas. So they're some weird, like, created hybrid that that's the reason why they were able to actually understand commands and be trained in the way that they are. Here, they kind of just go into it that they're a special breed of gorillas that they domesticized and they turned into guard dogs. It's similar, but without them having to go so in-depth about it, this is the best way they could explain it, and I kind of am okay with this in the way they did this for the movie. So, while they're still searching around, they do finally run into Hugafugga, and he basically says that the the diamond mines, they've got to be around here. Everybody just wants to kind of fucking leave, he doesn't really want to, and that's when the floor crumbles and they all fall down into the next area. When they finally recover from everything they look out and they're actually within the mines that are underneath Solomon City and of course Hugafarga he has a fucking orgasm when he sees everything
3: What the hell It's the mines
4: We are watching you it's the trainers talking Teacher is watching you
6: Dead teachers
3: Yes, 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 I knew it was true. The city of Zinj, the diamonds, every word of it was absolutely true.
1: I'd leave those
6: alone.
2: Any other way out of here?
6: Not that I've noticed.
3: Help me. Fill up everything.
5: Come on.
6: You've got to get me out of here. Take a number. But we're going to be rich.
2: What about that? Is that a way out?
0: Maybe. So while they're all trying to figure out what's going on with all the gorillas showing around them, we actually have a scene slightly before this that Amy has gone back to the silverback gorillas and she's trying to become accepted with them. And she then gets like a sixth sense of, oh shit, I bet you Peter's in danger. So she runs back to the camp, she notices that nobody's there, and then she grabs her box and she runs to go and go to the mines as well. Now, in the mines, after this whole situation has happened, Hargovaga, he's like, "Oh my god, I've got all the jewels. We're gonna be rich. Let's get the fuck out of there!" Of course, uh, you know Monroe smoothly saying, "Take a number," um, because Hargovaga wants to be the only one to get out of there. He's like, "We gotta get out of here now!" So he tries to like kind of move a little bit, and then he ends up getting cornered by one of the apes. He drops all of the diamonds thinking that that's gonna let him go he gets tripped up and then one of the gorillas just completely smashes his skull in which i wish we were able to see but it cuts away because yeah this is pg-13 so we're okay to see throwing heads uh rolled down in front of people but we can't watch a human's head be squished by a gorilla so then it becomes an all-out gunfight we see a couple monroe's guys go down we see his main guy fight valiantly but gets swarmed by a bunch of white gorillas and is pounded to death uh in a giant circle as it spins out they get pushed back into a corner of the cave and only monroe uh peter and dr ross are left meanwhile they try to find that way out monroe is holding rubella off with their ak now i have to say this because i didn't say it in the scene before but it really kind of says it's the same thing here When they're all firing their weapons, it looks ridiculous because the flashes on the end of the guns Aren't in sync with the fucking weapons and even the weapon sounds aren't the same as what you would hear So they have AK-47s and in the scene where they're defending the camp and you see a bunch of his guys shooting the AKs It's making fucking shotgun sounds like and it, they're shaking the gun So the flash at the end of the gun was added later. You have that Like that from like the gun that sounds like machine gun, but you got a flash every two seconds and it sounds like a fucking Shotgun uh, and other parts of it. Now, when you get close ups of fucking Moreau using the shotgun, it's a shotgun sound. Everything looks right. But when you have everybody randomly just fire, people just look like they're shaking the fucking guns. And it's the same thing here. And it's even worse kind of with Moreau in this part too, when he's firing on them and it's not yet quite syncing up to the fire rate the gun has. So <laughs> you have. Peter and Ross over in the corner, they can't find a way out, but they run over onto the bodies of Jeff and Charlie and realize that both of them are dead. They go back out, and they, they realize that they're backed off. Peter grabs a gun, even though he was reluctant to take one earlier, and Dr. Ross forced him to take the gun that he had, and they're basically firing off against the gorillas, and they're told that... You know, give her a couple of minutes, and they'll be able she'll be able to help them. She runs back, grabs whatever piece of charcoal that Ross or not ross um Charlie was holding in his hand, and starts breaking it open, revealing a perfect diamond to fit in the fucking laser thing that Charlie was using earlier that she somehow now has in her back like her backpack that she's got i don't know if she brought it with her i don't know if she saw it at the camp and she loaded it up is it something that i missed but it's some real deus ex machina shit that she manages to have this and finds an exact fucking diamond that would fit what the vial in that space it does to put it in there like he found that before he was crushed to death because obviously he didn't. He was outside having a fucking Hershey bar when Jeff was getting fucking killed, and then he got killed by the fucking ape, In fact, what was the last thing that he actually had inside of his hand? Why, it was Jeff's fucking eyeball. It was thrown at him. He caught it. He looked at it. oh my god, that's what he fucking died with in his hand. Not the fucking diamond from the fucking mine. Unless they dragged him in there and forced him back there. And he was digging diamonds for the ape to throw all over the sand. That Herkima put his fucking dirty ass mouth. Actually, he put his probably clean her mouth on those dirty fucking diamonds and he was probably was gonna die of fucking like hep c before the apes were gonna smash him in the head so maybe the apes actually did him some good but nonetheless like where did he get that from how did he have it and how was she able to break it open so quickly so easily and actually produce the perfect size diamond to fit inside the laser So, while she's busy doing that, they run of ammunition, finally. They've used so much, not really having to reload much, if at at all, in this fucking movie. And before they're able to actually shoot him off, one of the gray gorillas grabs Peter and throws him in the middle of the room to basically get murdered by the rest of the gorillas that are there. And then what happens to happen? Who, like Mighty Mouse, happens to come down and save the day? Why, you guessed it, it's the annoying fucking Amy and they probably got scared by her fucking voice box.
6: Gorillas. Ugly. Go away. I don't know what to make of it. Amy. Mother.
3: Mother. Peter. Hug.
5: Amy.
6: Tunnel instinct. Long miss
2: your rain. What the hell are you doing anyway? What am I doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. We're getting out of here. We are. What about them? Put him on the endangered species list.
0: So now she's got her super fucking laser and she starts just ripping through the other white gorillas like that shot that she took right there takes one of the arms off. She's cutting gorillas in half because of course, if it's PG-13 and either monsters or animals are getting killed sawed in half and carterized and being bloody then you can still fucking do it but if it's humans can't do that fucking shit so she's just fucking plowing through gorillas like crazy and Amy has saved Peter and then all of a sudden but of course now the volcano is decided to erupt and cause disturbance to the whole place they managed to get out the the center of the whole place opens up and a giant fucking river of lava just comes in and the apes not knowing what to do Just start fucking jumping into the lava now uh, before this before we finally get going, There is one thing that I wanted to kind of talk about for a second with you Now it happens to deal with Amy see Amy comes in she has this whole mother in instinct and it really is more like She's the mother to Peter. She views him like her son and I don't know why that has to be the way, but all the other apes, like, why the fuck did they just randomly stop? Like, they don't do anything anymore. They just go and they see her there and they're just like, huh, well, you know, we've killed all these other apes and you're just here to protect this one, like, it's weird, but maybe because they're like wow this gorilla is protecting this human who is always so mean to us and this is kind of weird or is it the fact that oh shit a talking gorilla like <laughs> they're totally weirded out that there's a fucking talking gorilla here and that's what they're they're dealing with or that Amy's that badass that they're like oh I don't want to fuck with this one because not only does she sign she fucking talks at the same time and we can understand her and when they're she's saying go away we're like ooh okay I can't believe this I don't know I don't fucking get it if I were the apes there's like 20 of them just fucking jump and start pounding on the both of them and then you can go get the other one before you're fucking sawed in half by a giant fucking laser so anyway Uh, Dr. Ross and Monroe leave Peter and Amy in the dust. They're able to actually get out of there before the lava starts, you know, wrecking the whole place. And they get destroyed, but the apes don't know how to really get away from the lava. So they just start either falling in or just fucking jumping in there. Because I guess if you can't escape from your fate, you might as well just fucking die and throw yourself in a pit of lava. But it's really fucking convenient that all of a sudden, just now, the volcano decided that this was the time that it was going to explode. Like, it had this capability for a long time, nobody's really done everything, but the moment that they needed a way out of this place, everything's gonna go to shit, and the volcano, it's like, yeah, you know what, it's about time. He looked at his Apple Watch, he's done his steps for the day, and you know he needs to lay off a little steam, maybe this is it dropping a fucking deuce in the toilet or something like that, and then it decides to just fucking explode. And uh, have the ground crack around it, and have lava fucking flow everywhere. So there's a big escape scene that goes on with them jumping from you know breaking island to breaking island between you know what's now created with the lava coming out. There's even one scene where Peter and Amy like the ground it breaks apart and it tilts, so they start sliding down, and Amy doesn't reach out to grab Peter, even though she saved him before. He's got to grab onto her, and she has this look on her face like "bitch, let the fuck go." Only one of us needs to survive. Looks like she's gonna fucking start kicking his face and shoving him down into the fucking lava and just saving her fucking self. But of course, eventually they all get away they all get into a nice open field very far away from the lava i might add and the volcano that's in the background you think that only running like i don't know 30 feet wasn't going to save them but they managed to get into a nice open area as well which is far enough from the volcano and they don't have to worry about the lava coming after them even though it would spread for miles and miles and miles in this type of situation at least i would assume so uh considering that nothing else would be really left, you would see trees falling down, but of course, nothing's really happening. so as Peter is excited to be back with Amy and making sure that she's okay, they're all happy that they lived uh Dr. Ross decides to call Travis, and of course, um, you find out that you know there was a real reason why she was there.
2: How close is the border? Not far this is Karen Ross eight one four five two. That is K.R. 81452. Houston, Travis, do you read? That is K.R. 81452. Houston, Travis, do you read? 81452. That is K.R. 81452. Houston, Travis, do you read?
3: Karen, is that you?
2: It's me, Travis.
3: I thought I lost you. I sent another expedition. Did you get it?
2: I have bad news. Charles... he's... he was killed. Did you get the diamond?
1: Did you? Yes. Good girl.
2: Do you remember what I told you? If I ever knew you sent me here for some diamond and not for Charlie, that I would make you sorry.
3: Karen, of course I'm upset. But what's done is done.
2: I could I know. You need a new cash machine. What would happen to the satellite if I put its phone number in this laser and pull the trigger? The chip from the transmitter's got the satellite's number, doesn't it?
3: That laser takes a 12,000 channel chip. If you put all that power through that diamond, Todd!
2: This for you,
0: Charlie. So in good fashion, she did make him sorry after all because, oh, oh, really? He was really just after the diamond the entire time, and now he doesn't have any type of fucking cash flow because he doesn't have his original satellite that was created either, and you know what? Who gives a shit she should have known this all along she should have never been on this expedition if she had never come on This expedition probably everybody would have died because nobody would have had the laser that was needed for the damn expedition as it was so we see Peter now he's out in the field with Amy and he's busy talking with her and He's realizing that he's gotta let her go because she really wants to be back in the jungle and he notices that of course she went back to the silverback gorillas because once you've had silverback gorilla dick you never want anything else and so she then is going to be leaving him forever and there's that last heartfelt goodbye
4: amy where'd you go good gorillas what good gorillas handsome fella. <laughs>
6: Look at
2: that. Is that Amy with Silver
4: silverback? So she's. I see. I see.
0: I see. You want that D, and this is the only way that you're gonna get it, because you're not gonna get it from me. Like, they all, like, don't realize, it, well, you know, Monroe realizes right away, but Ro- Dr. Ross, is she's just looking out there like, Oh, is that Amy with- Yeah, you dumb bitch! That is her over there! There's only four and we met those three before, and you can definitely tell that that's fucking Amy, not the other three fucking gorillas. Now, they also managed to find a hot air balloon in the wrecked plane that they f- saw earlier, because they're just close enough to that wrecked plane as well, uh, and that was one of the things that she didn't want to bring along and now they need the hot air balloon to get the fuck out of there Rather than stay in the fucking jungle How did they expect to get out in the first place if they didn't have a way and if they guy almost got shot down But with the original plane why would they take a hot air balloon and get the chance of being shot down once again? Maybe they'll arrive in the other border, and they're very very close to the border So it doesn't really matter, but I don't fucking know who fucking cares they managed to get the hot air balloon up and running they have said their goodbyes to Amy, now they're going home. Dr. Ross looks out in the distance and, you know, Amy gave Peter a flower, he's staring at that. Monroe's controlling the hotter balloon. Dr. Ross asks Peter for one last thing, and then we get the lovely song to end the movie.
2: Peter, would you do me a favor?
0: What? Would
2: you throw this away from me? You sure?
6: Ouch. There's a wind.
4: I hope it blows us someplace good.
2: Me too.
0: so that was congo and it's kind of still honestly kind of a fun movie to watch it's terrible but it's terrible in the right fucking ways now there are a couple of different changes that i can go through here between the book and this first uh you know our friend uh over here he's not the one that translated it's actually amy is the one that helps translate she does a lot more in the book ...than she does in this film. Seems like she's just kind of like the secondary thing. And maybe it was hard to have that costume in the animatronics around constantly. But she's basically the one that figures out what the hieroglyphics means. She's able to translate it because she's able to read it and through there. Like I said, she does actually teach uh, her children how to use sign language at the end of the book. And then also with the Diamond see, they throw it away because they're still the same three survivors... Ross Elliot Peters and Monroe, and uh you know they basically uh Monroe is able to retrieve a few hundred carats from the valuable diamonds and then he sells them for Intel to use in a revolutionary new computer processor and while Amy was reinduced to, introduced to the wild, so it's a little bit of a happier ending Ross actually or Monroe actually comes out of it with some extra money, and there really isn't the the other subplot with, like, Travis and everything like that and that whole thing going on. So it's definitely, like I said, I, I like it a little more just because Amy's a little more involved and she actually... Does stuff to be like, wow, she's a really a talking ape. Or like, an ape that knows communication. So it's not just that she can talk. She communicates in a way that she's highly, highly intelligent. And you really don't get it with this in the movie. All you get is fucking Amy this, Amy that. Amy, 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 Amy want fucking blowjob. You know, want give blowjob to Silverback. It's, it is what it is. I mean... Like I said, this movie is fun in the silly ways. The last 20 minutes are still really exciting with everything that goes on when the apes arrive, but it takes so fucking long. You have an hour and 40 fucking minute movie and an hour and 20 minutes doesn't even get you there. And the stuff in the jungle is not really that entertaining and exciting other than some stuff is just fucking ridiculous. So. Overall, what would I give this film? Well, on the gore, you're gonna get a two out of five. The head, the eyeball, which I really actually enjoyed at the beginning of the film, uh, and a couple little things here and there when the apes take some shots. It's not overly gory, but it's very, you know, at least somewhat entertaining. Crap Factor, it's a three out of five. I was gonna give it a four, but I decided that it's only really worth a three because even though there's some bad accents, And there's some really ridiculous things. Overall, it's acted relatively well. I really like Laura Linney. I think she does a pretty good job. But, you know, the show stealer of it is Ernie Hudson. He's the best thing about this movie. And even though his character doesn't get the best dialogue in the world, he has some of the best lines. And he definitely hammed it up enough to where it's ridiculous, but it's very fucking entertaining at the same time. The fun factor of the film, I'm going to put it right the same as the crap. It's a nice 3 out of 5. It has its fun moments. The beginning it was a little slow and drags on a little bit, even in the middle. But once you get to the real meat of the action, uh it's really good and it has some jump scares that are kind of decent. Uh one that actually kind of got me even it's, I haven't seen this film in a really long fucking time. So I was very surprised that it actually happened. So um overall i'm gonna give this a three out of five tim curry's um it's it's entertaining you guys if you've never seen it before um i think it's worth a watch uh and your mileage may vary just because some of it is a little bit older like in terms of the technology like that technology kind of makes it suffer a little bit more I Like, it seems really fucking advanced for the time, but it still feels really fucking old right now. Like, you couldn't be that good with that old technology. Like, it seems really ridiculous. And that's kind of where some of the stuff really suffers from and some of my rage comes from. But overall, I mean, it's just kind of an entertaining movie. I mean, it's mediocre. It's got some good scenes in it, and it's got some terrible scenes in it. It's got some really random scenes that turn out to be really good scenes. I'm looking at you, the Delroy Lindo scene. So... Um, do I recommend it? That's one of the things that some people might ask. And I I would say yes. I mean, it's worth a watch if you've never seen it before. Or if you haven't seen it in a really long time, it might be good to revisit it. And I know there are a couple of people out there that have, you know, decided to rewatch it right before I release the podcast. So, um, with that being said, um... Let's talk about the next film. Now, I said, for the next couple of films, we're going to be doing animal films. Uh, And so, this is one that people have also asked me for, for quite some time. And somebody even recently says, I wonder when you were going to do that. And so, well, guess what? Guess what is up next?
1: Alright everybody, double check your gear, make sure it's all on board. pray you didn't forget your bug spray.
3: They have come to the world's most isolated jungle to explore the unknown Amazon.
5: You ready?
0: I think so.
3: And conduct scientific research to prove the existence of a long lost tribe.
1: Shishama worship giant snakes, anacondas as gods, protectors. What
6: is this?
0: Anaconda skin.
6: Is snakes up there this big? This skin is three or four years old. Whatever shed it has grown since then.
2: Snakes don't eat people.
6: Oh, they don't? That's it, man. I'm getting the hell back to L.A. It's
3: always good to be prepared. Now, they are the ones being watched. Do you hear that? The ones being followed. Nobody move. The ones being hunted. There's something down there. That's right. No, I really mean it.
1: I really mean it, too.
3: But not by anything human. That's Get the
1: If we help him, then he will help us get out of here alive.
3: Get in the face! You're gonna get us all killed!
1: kill! It's ah! coming
3: Anaconda, when you can't breathe, you can't scream.
0: That's right, we're going from one bad accent to another horrible accent in John Voight's. uh, And that Anaconda don't want none unless it's J Lo's buns, hun. So. It's kind of a it's a movie actually I've thought about doing for quite some time and uh, This is the perfect excuse to kind of get into it So we're continuing with the killer animal theme and we're going with anaconda for the next one And this is the first film that I could remember seeing Ice Cube in I know he was in boys to the hood But I saw that much later than I saw anaconda and I believe I saw anaconda in the theaters uh, This is also the first time I can remember seeing J Lo on the big screen and I totally forgot that Owen Wilson in the fucking movie. Like, it's crazy that there are these actors who are super famous now, but back then, I I couldn't have really, well, you know, Ice Cube I could fucking place. And same thing with John Voigt, kind of. Uh, But definitely, you know, J. Lo became much bigger after this. And same with Owen Wilson, but definitely bigger, I'd say, in the comedy world rather than any other world that there is. So... Um that's it's available streaming in kind of random places now you can rent it of course in places like amazon voodoo um, let's see, where else they YouTube, iTunes, Google TV, all those places like that. It is available on Hulu, but you have to have a Showtime subscription, and if you have Showtime streaming thing, it's available to stream from them. It's also on TV, like, quite regularly, but I'm probably not going to pull audio from them because it'd be probably be pretty censored. Even though nowadays, it seems like there's not a whole lot censored on TV anymore, other than the F word. It's really it. Like, it feels like it anyway if it's on cable uh so it's definitely coming up you can definitely watch it out there there are ways to watch it uh you'd be able to find it just fine so don't worry about it you'll be able to watch anaconda before the next one and then after that we still have a couple more animal movies to talk about Um, so i hope you guys really really enjoyed it now for uh, the podcast or the shout out at the end of the podcast for this episode i've got two um one again he did finally talk about it on his podcast and i wish nothing but health and, uh, power to, uh, Ben, the angry dad, be to the fourth power. Um, you know, uh, when I heard about it, it really shocked me. I'm glad that he's, you know, he's doing a lot better. I look forward to seeing him get married to a wonderful person. Um, and you know, he says, he said in his episode, his podcast, that he's going to be strong to show everybody that they can be strong. And, You know, uh, know, I want to, you know, say to him that, you know, he doesn't have to, he does a good job in, you know, being strong for his kids, being strong for his woman, being strong for his friends. And I want to be strong for him and to to do what he needs to do. So um, as much uh, of, you know, I want, you know, if anybody who does know him, uh, you know, he's one hell of a guy and uh i'm glad that he's strong so that's just something sappy that i want to say um because i feel like you know he's talked about it so i want to say that out loud as well um And the other thing is, is that it's not as sappy or whatever to say about that, uh, is that, um, I want you guys to go check out Beyond the Void. I know some of you have because I recently did a podcast with them. We talked about Mexican slashers. We talked about grave robbers and we talked about Cemetery of Terror. I had a ton of fun with Alex. Um, we literally talked for four hours, uh, and the podcast itself is like two something, but we were on basically Skype from like six ten, six twenty until 10 something at night. Um, I've never had like, uh, I can't say never, but I haven't had a recent conversation like that with somebody that I've never really talked to, uh, that much in person, like kind of in person, or at least with voice in a long time and uh, i hope to get him to come over onto this pod and do a little something with me at some point uh because i feel like we both have the same type of opinions on things and uh it was so easy to just chat with him and uh go through the whole thing um and uh and it was a lot of fun so uh, you guys should go check out that episode uh you can check him out at longlivethevoid.com uh beyond the void horror podcast it's available on youtube uh itunes spree not spreaker i think spotify um and a bunch of other different platforms as well you can catch them out there and he also runs the do you love horror facebook group uh which is a closed group but he lets a lot of people in um so you can go check that out and apply uh we a lot of people talk about horror that's how i kind of got to know him i actually got to know him through um one of the other podcasts on twitter uh was we were all part of this like monster podcast group and uh it was fun but it kind of dissolved but i joined that facebook group and then i'm pretty active on that facebook group when i can be um and uh i'm glad that he has this community with other people that love the genre as much as we do And uh, I was happy that I got to do the show with him. So I'll probably be back on there at some point um, and definitely do it again. And like I said, I'd like to have him over here. Uh, With that being said, you can always find this podcast on places like Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast you can also find the podcast on instagram terrible terror podcast and you can follow us on youtube terrible terror podcast where pat and i do a lot of car reviews over the movies that we've seen uh, we've done a lot recently um, and we're probably going to go see child's play this coming weekend so um, we'll have to see how that goes uh, with that being said watch anaconda and i'll talk with you guys next time thanks for listening